Bearcat Bounce Podcast back at it again. Happy Monday. We are a Monday where it's a Monday heading towards the beginning of basketball season Monday. That's right. Each day we get one step closer. That's right. Not one, not two, not three, but four weeks from now. Five weeks from now, pardon me. It's going to be the start of the old basketball season. That's that's what you talk about an exciting Monday. It's also a Monday where we continue the conversation about one of the best recruits, commitments of the West Miller tenure, the best, one of the best of the 247 sports era, and uh, one of the best of, of, of all time, if you want to put it in that lore as well. Committing to the Bearcats, that's Tyler Betsy. We're going to dive into all that. It's also a Monday of homecoming week Monday where we get ready to fire up the football talk again. Iowa State on the docket for Saturday at noon. Another great kickoff of the Big 12. It's also a Monday, right? I get to bring in my guys, my pals. As usual, we are one short, but he will be there and a little bit later on during the pod. But without further ado, Aaron Smith, Chad Brendel, gents, the three of us until Royer joins us. How are we? Doing well, doing well. Busy well, Monday, but, uh, you know, ready to go, ready to rock and roll. Ready to rock, ready to roll, man. Busy Monday's good. It's a good thing. Indigenous Day, right? That's Indigenous <laughs> yeah, that's People right. Day. Yeah. So happy, happy for that. Aaron, how are we, sir? Good. Just uh, hung out with the baby all day. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, we finished one of the kids' fall ball seasons this weekend. One more left. There you go. And, yeah. Fall ball. Are, are they playing football or is that just baseball? One was playing baseball and football. The other was just playing baseball. Okay. Okay. Wrapping up the seasons, baby. Volleyball season's done, right, Chad? Put a, put a bow on that one. School season is done. And then, uh, you know, a little bit of time off, and then we'll roll right into – uh club season after the holidays so a little bit of a break there we go there we go man cannot complain one bit guys just uh now obviously it's a little bit of a break from the uh, bearcat football this past weekend but man there were there were some wild things going on around the uh, whole college football landscape and the big 12 landscape we'll dive into that later but um you know Bengals are back we can mention that right Aaron, did you put the uh, DM request out for to uh, Travis and Ot Swift inviting them to the game this Saturday for homecoming? No, no. All right. All right. Uh, but but George and I on George in the Jungle tomorrow have a guy you might have heard of, uh, oh. Mister Rick Minter. Oh wow, where's Rick at these days? I don't know, but he's going to be on the pod with us tomorrow, so we'll find out. There we go. There we go. Golly, gotta love that. But yeah, there's been a lot of basketball talk, um, you know, and when you get excited listening to all the basketball talk, uh, driving your car down the road, you might get a little, little, little bumpy going down the street. You know, you might uh, you might get a little too excited when you hear that Wes Miller is a surprise guest on uh, last Thursday's nightcap. You know, I, I know I did. Drove right into a, uh, a curb. Had to get myself a a wheel change. I went over to a Danco transmission and auto care. Danco Joe, you know, I didn't do that, but I would have, if I was in Cincinnati and I would have mentioned the BBP, I would have mentioned Chad. I would have mentioned Aaron and I would have gotten myself 10% off of the uh, fixing of that tire. 
And, or, you know, I probably would have gotten an oil change as well and gotten $10 off of that oil change. And so I wish I was in Cincinnati because the excitement was a little bit too much because basketball season is right around the corner. So, uh, you know, head to Danco Transmission and Auto Care. Danco Joe will hook you up there. Um, guys, obviously, let's, uh, let's, let's put a bow on, on the Tyler Betsy commitment. You guys have talked about it on the uh, nightcap. Obviously, we've had a lot of talk leading up to it as well. Kane Broom, another good shout out there. You know, it's, it's funny. You go on to the uh, Twitter of Tyler Betsy, and, and one of the only tweets that he has about his commitment is just a, the, the Kane Broom gift, which is a pretty, pretty cool thing thing to see there but uh guys huge commitment obviously um the the highest ranked commit of the west miller tenure which is you know you would say oh west has only been here this many times but he's got four top 100 co recruit commitments in, in the three years that he's been able to get a class together um tying a bow on it guys tyler betts um big time commit especially uh Heading into the Big 12, obviously, and we've heard the influence on recruiting that that has had. But uh, your thoughts now that the weekend has passed, and I, it, it agree with me or not, it seemed like there was a lot of excitement around it. But like we're talking about now, it's kind of the vibe of okay, we we expect that out of Wes, you know, going after the big guys and, and occasionally being able to land one. So um, thoughts after the uh, weekend has passed significant addition i mean you know i think he compliments tyler mckinley i think right now they're both four men um i think you know they they do different things uh they give you different strengths and weaknesses you know we we talk about the ability to dance all the dances uh this should shore up the four position at cincinnati for the considerable future uh, you've got one kind of bigger um you know, more of a traditional four and then, you know, your, your modern stretch four that can step out and really, really shoot the ball from distance, um, getting better playing off the bounce. I, I need to see more of him in a high school setting because the way he was used in AAU, I don't think really fully displayed his game, which isn't a, a knock on his AAU team. It's just what they needed. You know, they had a, high-level point guard that could get downhill. They need a four-man that wasn't going to clog the lane and was mm -hmm. going to be able to hang out on the perimeter and knock down open shots when the ball came back to him. And he was really good at it. So um, I do want to see a little bit more in terms of, you know, during the high school season, how he's used, um, what's his what's his natural ability when it comes to being able to to put it on the floor on you know and attack closeouts um how does he handle it in transition things like that but um you know it's it's hard to find six eight long six eight dudes that can really really shoot the ball and tyler betsy can do that and look if he comes here and, he, and he's a spot shooter from three at six eight check like <laughs> you need that guy. You, right. It's college basketball in 2023. You have got mm -hmm. to have high level shooting, especially from your bigs to space out a defense. Um, so, you know, that's why Wes Miller and, and his staff made Tyler Betsy a priority and were able to, to get the job done. I'm just excited that we have 
Another guy, I mean, what, what's the one thing that we complain about pretty much year in, year out as Bearcat fans is lack of bigs. And you got another one. And you got one that's really good. Um, I'm excited to see how he develops. I'm excited to see what he looks like out there, especially paired alongside, um, I mean, Tyler McKinley alongside Ravon Griffith alongside Josh Reed alongside Dan Skillings alongside Jizzle alongside Day Day. I mean, there's the roster starting to look really, really good at this point, and you're building depth. And that's something that this team has struggled with over the course of roughly the last what five years or so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if I, I would consider him a big, like I understand that whole thing, but I, like, like you're saying, Chad, I'm excited to see like in a high school setting where he is the man, yeah, it kind of what he does more on ball, right. you know, how, how his, and, and I think that's what all the scouts are saying is, you know, he's, he's just scratching the surface, this, that, and the other. He's, he's working on that part of his game where, you know, if he does show more flashes of that, I, and people are still saying that he's still growing or what, whatever that might be. Um, you add all that in, I, when positionless basketball era, that's length and, and shooting touch. And then if you can get some sort of off the bounce going and, and have – the ability to to defend at a high level on the wing as well. You're, you're talking about a super long wing player that can do a lot for you and can also play that that four as well in, in like a stretch needed in certain times. But, you know, for, for no, the time being. A, as, no, 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 no. Let's make no mistake. He is a four right now. Well, I didn't say that. I said, I said for the time being, you, you cut me off. I said for the time being. He is he's he's that stretch four right now with the ability to just kind of you know Which be is why I called him a big you know yeah I I consider a big like a five like I like I don't know I don't watch Tyler Betsy and immediately think big man you know what I mean if he's but, still growing at six eight you can't tell me he's not going to be front court is, is Kevin Durant a big man yes no he's who not. can shoot really well no, he's a small forward he's but why is he a small forward. Because he can really handle the ball, right? And, exactly. And make plays off the bounce, like yeah. He's a unicorn. He's the exception to the rule because yeah. he can do things with the ball in his hand that right. make him a wing as opposed yeah. to a, a, a big. Right, right now, Tyler Betsy is a stretch four. Yeah, that's why I, we you need to see what does he look like on a high school team where he's playing more with the ball in his hand because he didn't exactly. play with the ball in his hand hardly at all. In AAU, that's not on him. That's not a knock on him. That is saying we haven't seen it yet. Mm -hmm. On his high school team, he's going to be asked to do that more. So I'm really interested in in seeing that development and how he handles uh, being asked to 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 do, more. do a little bit more offensively. Right. Where in his AAU team, they like I'm serious. They just yeah. stand over there, relocate. Wing, baseline, wing, baseline, depending yep. on where the ball is at. And when it comes to you, catch it and shoot it. And yeah. that was what he was asked to do. Watch the high, I mean, the AAU highlights. That's like, it's like, all right, I've watched a five minute highlight tape and like four of it yeah. was him just knocking down threes, which is, which is, you know, think about it this way as well. Would you rather have someone saying, you know, he's scratching the surface on his shooting touch? You know, he's, he, he's slowly no. improving the shooting touch. But he, you know, he's a slasher. He he's athletic. You know what I mean? Those guys generally never get there as shooters. Right, exactly. So you would rather have he he's a knockdown shooter. 
and he's yeah. a top 40, top 35 prospect that is knocking these down at a high level and then scratching the surface on the other facets on the offensive right. side. So I'm excited to see that. De- defensively, did you get much of a like touch on him? Is yeah, he- I mean, they, they used him in a lot of different ways. Um, I mean, he guarded multiple positions. I, I think he's got a chance. I mean, obviously it's high school. Like it, yeah. There's a lot of a lot of development, learning how to play help side defense, learning, right. you know, how to how to really, really defend at the college level. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he's gonna be okay. Like I right. he's not he's not a like a bouncy rim protecting yeah. rim running athlete, right. but he's he's athletic. He's, yeah. you know, it's not like he's slow-footed by any stretch of the imagination. He's long, too. I, I mean, you can just tell yeah. during that, you know, whole commitment article. I mean, commitment speech, just his hand engulfed the mic, and he just – that's a long fella right there. Um, also, thoughts on on his commitment. That that was high, highly emotional, very raw, very genuine, just kind of you – know, you want those kind of guys on your team that can go out there and just – not afraid to show emotion. So I, I find that as nothing but a positive, especially the things that he was getting emotional about. Yeah. I think all of us were a little scared for a second as he got so emotional and speaking about his parents that he was going to potentially stay in Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah. I mean, I did. I did imagine. I'm not going to take this jacket off cause I'm wearing a Cincinnati shirt underneath, but <laughs> I'm staying home. But no, that was a, uh, it's awesome commitment. Obviously, he was there on a visit officially at the uh, Oklahoma game with Kane. Um, and obviously, after that, it was uh, all downhill from there, as you would say. Uh, Chad Dollar, I think, was the primary on this one. Yeah. So, uh, shouts to Chad Dollar. You know, the mention was him coming in and being a uh, ace recruiter and then also an ace coach and just showing his chops there as, as the recruiting side. What? These dogs. Is that your dog? I think that might be my dog. Yeah, that's not mine. That's my dog. I mean, between between all of your dogs. Goodness gracious. I just have a child that was told to be home before 8 o'clock that yeah. came home at 8.20. So the dogs oh. are going nuts because she just walked in the door. Does Taylor Swift have a song, have a song about being grounded? Probably. Oh, probably. Well, I, I mean, probably. I'm... The, the wine I'm drinking tonight is, is grounded. So there you go. That's the uh, brought to you by what's happening with Kelsey at the uh, Brentle household later. That was the annoyed huh. look on my face as the puppy wouldn't go upstairs. So she was well, made it upstairs. eh? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, obviously a huge commitment. Uh, you know, the whole during the two, four, seven era, you know, talking about top, commits and whatnot it it people can kind of run with that because it's kind of the only vantage point to to say like top one of the best recruits in in program history but i like that you guys kind of settled that a little bit on the on the pod kind of mentioned well that's just in the 247 sports era so but uh really more like the rivals era like it dates back to well before 24 7 sports was started right 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 rivals and scout were were definitely around the the online like the dot-com rankings era where there were places that had like national staffs out yeah evaluating talent before then it was like 
you know, a guy like one, like Clark Francis or, you know. Did you have to go through the NCAA and get certified back then? Or was it kind of just like a a freelance? Yeah, you did, but it was different. Yeah. It was different. One of my buddies, that's his his job at the NCAA is, is certifying these recruiting companies that reach out to him. So. He, he said it's it's kind of a wild roller coaster ride for him. A lot of just I can I can only imagine. It's some of those dudes saying, out on the yeah. road. Right. I can only imagine. <laughs> it is uh can only imagine. fun. Fun fun down there at uh, downtown Indianapolis. But yeah. It's definitely something. Huge commitment. And, and also how about the ability because Tyler McKinley can also knock knock down shots from the outside, has the ability to to stretch the floor as well. I mean, you're you're talking about numerous players that can shoot the basketball. Um, just kind of filling up the the roster with with those those type of talents. So the the uh, days of having no one on the on the court available to shoot threes or you know stretch the floors, it seems seems like it's going to be a thing of the past. So that's always a positive. Hey, um, I, I've been saying this for a long time. I think the formula to to winning consistent, successful stretches in college basketball is landing two top 75-ish kids every year in high school. Right. And right. as long as you're doing the job and, and finding guys complement each other that complement what you want your culture and what you want your system to be, and you're not just, you know, where a lot of teams screw it up is they they recruit numbers as opposed to recruiting the actual players. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, meaning, oh, well, we don't have any four stars in this class, so let's just find a four star and circle him. And okay, now we got a four star. Like, right. not that, but if you do it right and you go out and you're able to to fill your roster over a, a period of time with top seventy five guys, two at a time, mm-hmm. at minimum two at a time in every cycle, you're you're going to be in a good place to win a whole bunch of college basketball games. I agree completely. Um, obviously, not done with the 2024 class. Uh, the I mean, the names, be, yeah, might be uh, depending on what what the decisions are among the uh, the targets still yeah. out there. Um, uh, not what Travis Perry, uh, which if if Travis Perry committed to Cincinnati down down the line, obviously it would become very difficult for people to stray away from the Tyler Perry. Accident calling him Tyler Perry because there'd I be so the there's so many Tylers out there. I, I know Aaron gave you a nice nice uh, mention with the uh, Tyler Tyler Perry, but um, well, that it's, it, it feels like all they're recruiting in this class are Tylers. Tylers, it would so, be yeah. Tyler Tyler Tyler, and you said Travis. No, no, no it's Tyler, but. Uh, so obviously Travis Perry, a name. Jace Richardson, still a name. Um, the old Jaden Quaintance kind of went away. Uh, that's about it for 2024. Um, I, I saw what it was tweeted out today that unofficial visit this weekend um, is uh, Jaden Johnson. That's uh, 2025. So. 26. Um, 26. Right, 26. Sophomore. Yeah, top 25, yeah, in 2026. So, man, they're uh, shooting for the stars. Hope you uh, hope you land on one of them and, and bring them in. Um, anything more on Betsy or basketball recruiting as it stands right now? No, not really. Um, Perry should be in town next weekend for the BYU game or the, the Baylor game. Um, so 
you know, that's the next big thing to keep an eye on and see if, uh, you know, find out whether Kentucky's going to make a, a real play on that or if they're just going to keep dangling the carrot. And we'll see if he goes into decision mode. Doggone and right Kentucky. now it's UC and Ole Miss. Kentucky and those carrots, man. I tell you what. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd go all out, take them golfing. It's still it's still pretty nice weather. I went went out and got a, got 18 in on Saturday. So, so hopefully it's the same way they can figure something out for them. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be exciting as things continue to roll because this the staff obviously knows how to recruit and they're doing it a high level um you guys want to timestamp just the recruiting portion here real fast i mean i can i think quick paper we might supply well. your locally and family-owned restaurant supply company for all your non-food products quick paper services over 150 restaurants with weekly low minimum next day deliveries providing a wide range of food service products from to-go containers cups custom printed products eco-friendly and much more they also have cleaning and restroom supplies for all your janitorial needs. Call Nick, 513-470-2029 and reference Bearcats for 20% off your first month of purchases. Boom. Boom, baby. So we are Jack Laub days away from tip-off for the uh, 2023-24 season. Uh, UIC, University of Illinois, Chicago. Um Comes to town, comes to the third arena on a Monday at 9 p.m. Nice little, little 9 p.m. tip. Uh, so basketball right around the corner. Uh, you guys have obviously dove into it pretty well and uh, had had Wes on the nightcap last Thursday. Great having the old head man on and, and diving into what he had to say. But one one tidbit that he said, you know, as, as UIC comes into town, you know, he, he mentioned that the – Non-conferences, you know, it's it's better than than at first glance. So I I did a little homework. He he mentioned that the people at Bearcat Journal should do that a little little dive into the uh, non-conference. I'm just going to throw out a few things. Um, Eastern Washington, the first team that comes up, that was solid. Had an 18-game winning streak at one point last year. Pretty good. They lost in the second round of the NIT against Oklahoma State, so that means they won their uh, in-season conference they finished number one on the year um so not bad eastern washington nku obviously we know nku tournament team last year i, I hope that the bearcats absolutely wax them at fifth third uh georgia tech not great last year but first year head coach damon stoudemire kind of revamped the roster they have three high level four-star recruits that were coming out of, out of high school that now have transferred into their program so kind of that new look revamp new feel with uh new head coach Howard, tournament team last year, projected to be a tournament team this year, winning the MEAC, and Bearcats go to Howard. Uh, obviously, that team in Norwood. Um, Bryant was 203rd at the end of the season in Ken Palm. Dayton is, is Dayton. Obviously, they get Deron Holmes back and uh, projected to win the A-10 this year, projected to make the tournament. Uh, Merrimack currently has the nation's longest winning streak at 11. They're first in the country in turnover percentage defense last year. They won their conference tournament, but couldn't go dancing because obviously they're, they're too new into Division One. The team that they beat was Fairleigh Dickinson, who ended up becoming the second 16 seed to ever beat a one seed in Purdue. So Merrimack could be decent. It shouldn't have been in the tournament. Got to love it. <laughs> right. Stetson, uh, they finished 172nd in Kempom last year. And then the other teams, 
that didn't make this little write-up list uh, were, were pretty bad and projected to be pretty bad again this year. Um, how do you guys slice up the non-conference? I know Wes you know, mentioned how it's kind of just first year in the Big 12, want to not fatigue the team too much with, with either travel or, you know, difficult game scenarios, this, that, and the other. Um, now that we are less than a month away, we're really getting into the nitty-gritty of things. Your, your, your final thoughts on the non-conference is obviously we'll kind of break it down a little bit more, getting closer and closer each week. I think it's what Fair. you want. I, I think it's exactly what you want. I mean, you're going into a – the arguably. Arguably. Not arguably. Arguably. The toughest – basketball conference in the country and so why would you want to have like i mean even go back to maui where landers nolly is on the court crying after losing to what, arizona right um what, what do you need that for like what what is the point of having any games like that when you're going to be playing games like that every night once for you two and enter, a half months enter conference play so no i see Zero issue loading up all the preseason games essentially that you can before you get into the toughest schedule that this Cincinnati program has ever faced. Ever. Not ever. Ever. Some of no, those some of those, those big, big east. east. Aaron forgets that they were in the big east with I don't forget. Dominant. I think I think this is going to be the hardest one they've ever faced. I, do. I disagree. That's fine. The Big East at least had uh, a couple off nights. Yeah. Like, scattered throughout. This that might night. be the deepest where like UCF USF. is your only sleep night. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the only reason I would disagree, Aaron, is that there were some nights in the Big East where you could breathe. I don't think there's nights in the Big 12. That, like, look, even UCF is pesky. Like, right. like they're not tournament quality good. But they generally have enough dudes that, like, if you have a bad game, they can get you. Mm -hmm. um, that was that wasn't the case in that what 2012, 2011, 2012 Big East. That was a nightmare. Yeah, that was tough. Um, Chad, your thoughts on just kind of the non-conference, and and then I guess next next question, kind of piling on it, would be what would you guys say is. I, and yes, there's obviously fluid situations going on for the final makeup of the roster, but even still in the non-conference, what are you feeling best case or worst case heading into the uh, the Big 12 play? I, my take on the non-conference is I think people are casually forgetting that this is a team replacing four of its top five scores. Like the offense, I think is going to be okay. I don't think it's going to be bad but I think it's going to take some time right. because I don't know that there is a go get a bucket, like, like 20 point a night, like 20 points on any given night. Guy, right. I guess. Agreed. What, what would, what would mix? There's not a guy that can score 20 falling out of bed. Mm -hmm. So I think there's going to have to be a lot of continuity. I think there's going to have to be a lot of flow on offense. Um, I do think this has a chance to be the best uh, passing team that they've had in a while, mm -hmm. but that takes time to develop and it takes time 
for guys to get comfortable in those roles. So I think you want to do that maybe without the bright lights shining on marquee games throughout right. November and December. Like, I, I just think that's, I think it's easy to say, like, this isn't a, this is a bad non-conference schedule, but sometimes it's for need. And right. is it a, is it a super challenging non-conference schedule? No, but I don't know that this team needs that. I think this team needs to be in a situation where they can pile up some wins and pile up some confidence as they're doing so. Um, I just, I, you know, if this is what the the non-conference schedule looks like in year three or year four of the Big Twelve, then I don't, I don't love it, right? Because I do think there can be another, you know, a home and an extra home and home thrown in uh, instead of Howard with like a high major team, uh, you know, a little bit better MTE that. Mm-hmm that challenges you a little bit more. Um, so I, I, I look at it and say it makes perfect sense for this roster and this situation, because you are going from, this is what we've talked about quite a bit. You are going from 11 power five games or, or high major games to 21 high major games. And that is a massive jump. Like I just, I, I don't think you're helping yourself by going to 23, 24 high major games at this point. Like, what are we learning in football? Yeah. The jump is hard. Right. Making this leap is hard. You're going into a league that has been operating with a power five budget at a power five level for decades. And you have, you're not even there yet. You don't even get the full payout yet. So, like, it just it makes sense to be smart mm-hmm. and to not overtax yourself in November and December and have a team that is worn out when they get to January because yeah. you went out and you you overextended yourself in November and December. You probably are looking at you know your your nine and four or eight and five uh, coming into Big Twelve play. Yep. And you're threading a really tight needle because if you're eight and five, because mm-hmm. you played a ridiculously tough non-conference schedule, uh, if you only win eight conference games, you're at 16 wins. Yeah, You're at 16 and 15 going into conference play or going into conference tournament play. Right. That's not going to cut it. So you need the situation where you can have 11 wins, 10, 11, 12 wins. Uh, and, and that's where I think they need to be. You know, I, I would say 11 is probably the, the, the number you need to hit in mm-hmm. November and December, uh, obviously 12 or 13 would be perfect. It'd be ideal, but at least 11 yeah. as you get to, uh, as you get to big 12 play. Aaron, you're, you're what would you like to see kind of just as a, a, a record, if you will, coming out of the uh, non-conference, like one that you think, okay, that's fine. They can, they can go or one that they say, okay, they're going to, they're going to turn some heads in the big 12. If you want to turn heads, you got to go undefeated. <clears throat> That'll really okay. turn some heads. Um, I like but essentially you can't have a bad loss to anybody on this. You can't have a bad loss to anybody on this schedule. Um, right. So the only two games that you, in my opinion, that you can really, show chinks in the armor would be Xavier and Dayton. Outside of that, 
you got to get it done. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's a, uh, I agree. Tech will be interesting. Uh, just with a new coach, new look, like you, I don't know what to expect from them. Right. At this point in time, but that, that'll at least be interesting. Yeah. I mean, especially if they, I, I mean, kind of just like what every team out there is doing when you get a, get a revamped roster. I mean, they've got a guy who was 95 coming out of high school. He's 93 transfer. Another guy that was 94, two coming out of high school. Another guy that was mm-hmm. 98, four coming out of high school. So guys that obviously have talent. So, yeah, I think it's a uh, interesting to see kind of what kind of a competition level they bring into uh, the third, but um Another thing, Chad, that, that you mentioned a lot is is how th- there's two point guards coming in that have never dribbled the basketball in a, in a right. Division One game. Well, guess what? You get 13 games until the the things really start churning. I, I guess if you want to say the trip to Norwood or or Georgia Tech coming into town is kind of you know the the first look at when things really fire up. But even if you look at Georgia Tech, that's you know you get four games heading into that. You get seven games heading into the game at Xavier, you get, you know, eight, nine games heading into Dayton. And then you do get the whole, whole 13 heading into that uh, big 12 slate. So, I mean, invaluable time. Yep. Get the roster churning. Um, And also, as we said, if you get some big wins in the big 12, it's going to look a lot better if your non-conference was, you know, 11 wins, 12 wins, it's going to look a lot better when your win total is that high coming out of that that good of a conference. So, and, and look, I know I know the the schedule nerds are going to say, well, they don't look at that, they don't care about that. But again, if you win eight games in the non conference and you're eight and ten uh, in conference play, you're not getting in with sixteen wins because you challenged yourself in the non conference. It's it's not happening. Yeah, I I mean that's best case. I. What Wes mentioned it. West Virginia went seven and eleven in the Big Twelve. They went ten to two out of conference. They did play like four um, top one hundred teams in the non-conference and and got a couple of pretty good wins. But still, it's you know you gotta gotta choose which battles you want to play, and you gotta just win. Win. You can't lose a game that you're supposed to win, like Aaron said. So it'll be exciting to see, especially as they get. I don't know. I, I also think one of those those three top 100 non-conference games might not be very good, but we'll see. Yeah. Okay. I'm interested to hear which one you're talking about. Um, but I think I know which one based off your, your facial expression. Uh, but that's it. Hey, that's it. Um, let's dive in. We're, we're waiting on Royer to come and he's going to have some, some basketball centric questions, but I had a, I had a few lined up that I'm would, would be fun discussion for you guys and kind of want to hear your, your thoughts heading into it, obviously, barring the the old elephant in the room is the the two waivers that everyone's still awaiting the uh, confirmation or status of. So um, answer them either way you want. Uh, first one is end of game scenarios. This kind of doesn't really have have anything to do with the uh, waivers at this point. But you're down three. Who do you guys think is taking that shot if the opposing defense decides not to foul? And I, I guess if you're drawing something up or if you're going, you know, mano a mano like, like we saw um, David Julius do a lot last year. Or if you're down two slash one, who do you think is trying to get downhill and, uh, and get a bucket or get fouled? I don't know yet. <laughs> right? I don't know yet. 
Like I, I that's going to be interesting. Like, is it, it uh, are like a day day or a jizzle going to be ready for that? Right. To where it's like, all right, here's the ball. Here's a ball screen or here's one four flat. Like go get to the rim. If they're ready for it, it, it solves a lot of problems. Yeah. Uh, and also if they're going to do that, you might need to do some of it early when they're not ready for it. Right. To get them ready for it. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I guess the the obvious answer is CMOS. Mm-hmm. You know, he's probably got the most um, experience in those type situations with the ball yeah. in his hand. Where you know, but he was Butler's first or second best player, like whatever whatever you want to call it. Um, so they went to him in those situations, um, and. You know, that that is going to give you a level of comfort knowing that a guy you're not having to teach him on the fly like he can he can already do it. So uh, CMOS is probably the most likely. Uh, Maybe you use one of your point guards to get uh, CJ Frederick a look like penetrate and and kick something like that. Um, But then obviously, you know, it becomes a little different if you've got one of those big guys hanging mm-hmm. around the rim where you can, you know, kind of play it a little differently or approach right. what you're drawing up in the huddle a little differently. So it's, I mean, that's, that's the great unknown is it, it's, it's one of the things that you hope in college basketball is you've always got that succession mm-hmm. of who's next. Yeah. And that, that doesn't, exist uh in the present maybe it's dan right because of his first step and and his ability to to play you know off the bounce and and make things happen maybe as things develop it's dan but right now i i mean i just listed four possible guys and that's not all of them so um it's it's an unknown um as as far as it goes with like you know, obviously, because David DeJulius, Orlanders, and Ollie were kind of those two guys last year, mainly David DeJulius. Uh, it would seem like, yes, it would have to be someone in that point guard role, maybe break down the defense, find someone. But based off what you guys are saying from practice, I think Skillings maybe, or CMOS took down Xavier in the Big 12 tournament, I mean, Big East tournament two years ago, all by himself, scoring numerous buckets in that one-on-one end-of-game scenario situation. So. Yeah. That's why he's he's the most likely out of the gate. Right. But there are other guys that could evolve into that role as well. It's good to have options, but uh, interesting when you don't have, like, the man. But who knows? Um, Aaron, your your thought? Any distracting you? Yeah. Are you working on a spreadsheet? Are you doing your project? No, I'm putting the, 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 the mailbag together. Goodness. Um, I don't know. I I would like it to be CJ Frederick to be the guy. Uh, I don't know. I, I've not watched a, a ton of film on what. Uh, just not a guy that, that plays off. CJ isn't a guy that plays off the bounce a lot, so I think that's difficult to ask that of him. You might want him to be the guy that at the takes Driving the actual kick. shot. That's what I'm saying. Like I don't. Uh, you you drop the play, you kick it to him, and he's pop and shoot. But um. That's who I would like it to end up being if he's the shooter that he's been touted to be. Um, 
But again, I, I don't know that I've seen any of CMOS's play at this point to be able to rule him out. If he was the guy at Butler, that says a lot that you're, you've already been the guy at, at another school. I mean, Landers wasn't necessarily the guy at Memphis, and he turned out to be the guy here when it wasn't DDJ. So I don't know. Um, obviously, when you have options, it's certainly a better situation than wondering what the hell do we do, which I feel like we were at two seasons ago um, where yeah. you didn't where you, <laughs> you didn't know who was going to take that shot. Um, and, and you didn't yeah, – I don't even know that you wanted anybody taking that shot. Um, <laughs> that was rough to watch. What? It was rough to watch. Two years ago. Like, who was going to – Drawing up a play for Hayden Koval to, to hit a three at the uh, buzzer. Jesus. I mean, it was just rough. Yeah. It was it was not oh. great. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Uh yeah, I think you know, obviously all those are good. I you know, people are giving John Newman a lot of praise. I, I don't know if he's maybe being able to amp up his shooting ability to be that other guy. Cause I imagine teams will probably face guard CJ in those situations and try and eliminate him altogether. And so someone else out there has got to be able to to hit an open shot if they if they do get it when the defense collapses. So I don't know if it's if it's Dan or if it's you know Newman. One of the people. reasons CJ was so efficient at Iowa is because everybody on that team could play offense. So you couldn't right. you know you couldn't overload on him or 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 have a guy that you can say like don't leave him. Um, yeah. Maybe not necessarily face guarding, but like. You got to be in position because the ball is going to find him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know. So, but hey, he he got some awful people all over him too. So sure, sure. I mean, he can he can really shoot. Like that's mm-hmm. that's his superpower, if you will. Hey, baby, we all need superpowers. Um, next is uh, do you think this team would have one player or more? Um, averaging 15 points or more, or five players averaging double figures? Which is more likely? I think it's going to be five guys in double digits is more likely than two guys averaging over 15. He just said one, right? Just one guy yeah. averaging over yeah, 15. Yeah, one. Oh, one over 15? I thought it was one, two over One 15. or more. One or more. I still think that I'm, I'm, I, we haven't, we, we, I have no idea what rotations are going to look like, what minutes are going to look like. But even if, if there were no, if everybody gets to play essentially as the roster is currently put together, I don't know that you have a guy who's going to average 15, that you have to get the ball in his hands mm-hmm. that many times every single game to make sure he's getting his 15. Yeah. Like who on this team is going to demand, 15, 17 shots a game. Right. Like I, I don't think that, like, if there's somebody on this team averaging, averaging, that's not to say there won't be nights where one guy gets that many shots, but, it, like, to do it every night, I, I don't think that's how this roster is built. I, I think this yeah. roster is built or, for its depth, its ability to play a bunch of guys that are, you know, pretty close to a, a similar level. Um and that you're going to have different nights where this guy gets 16 and then, you know, might get six the next night. And then uh, the next game, somebody that had eight the night before gets 18. Like, 
Uh, so when you're when you're dealing with averages, I don't think you're going to have anybody that's going to get to 15. Yeah. Because I don't know that there's anybody that's consistently going to be up in that 14 to 17 point range every night. I think that's the beauty of having depth, though. I think that that's part right. of part of going to be the issue when you get into conference play is if you had a guy like that, teams are going to start to play on that guy. And so you're going to have to make moves to other guys. And I think that this conference is unlike anything that we've seen in a long, long time to where you're not, even if you had a guy like a Landers Nolly here, I don't know that he'd even be able to get off those shots, even if he wanted to, because of the way that teams would play Cincinnati. What what did I say was the worst thing to happen to that team two years ago? They had that three game stretch where Dave had like 26. Yep. 24, 26, and 22. And then, and then everyone then adjusted. On, everyone was just like, well, we'll just stop him, and they're dead. Yep. And then they stopped him, and they were dead. And, you know, even last year, like, there were a couple stretches where Landers, you know, would, would go off, and then you'd see off, yeah. games where they would overload on him and, and make it really difficult for him. You know, he wasn't the best off the bounce at creating space. Right. Um. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's part of dealing with the new conference also mm-hmm. is that scouting reports are going to adjust drastically as you go through that new conference. Yep. And everybody, like, look, the, the goal is to have a dude that can go get you 20 a night. Yeah. I, I just don't know that that dude. Is there's not many of those. Yeah, right there's now. not many of those dudes out there. And, and those there's are- plenty that 16, 17. Right, um, right. But I just I think this is a team that's gonna gonna compete with its balance, yeah, with its ability to kind of cycle through and find who the hot hand is, mm-hmm. uh, segment to segment, stretch to stretch, half to half. Right. Um, that's if they're successful, that's going to be how they're successful is spreading the wealth around. Agreed. And I think there's guys on this team that are going to be able to put up 20 on a night. I think Dan is capable of that. Sure. There's five, six guys that are capable of that, especially if Aziz and Jamil are eligible. I just don't know that there's anyone that every night you're getting night in, night out. Exactly. Shots. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you would think the one. No, not at all. I agree. I think the one player that would maybe like fit that prototype would, would be Dan, but he's just not you know, maybe a year away from having that sort of volume. And even so, I'm not, if, if the I'm depth, not confident, thing, yeah. I'm not confident Dan's ready to be like a 38% three point shooter. Right. Okay. Because I think that's ultimately what you need to be. Yeah, or you need to be a guy to that gets to the line eight, eight times a game. Right. Right. You know, and I'm with you guys on the uh, more, more double digit score, five double digit scores rather than the 15 plus. But uh it, the weirdest one, if you go back at the history of uh, you know the past you know 20, 30 years, is that 2014-15 season, the year after SK senior year, zero players averaging in double digits for the year, which is just nuts. The Larry Davis year. It it was yeah. There was, there was five five or six guys at like nine. Eight, yeah, eight, eight, eight nine. nine. I think Octavius Octavius was the closest to double digits at 9.9 points per game. But uh, yeah. this, is a, this is a crazy bonkers year. Um, next one, another fun one. So last year, uh, Vic was somewhat unexpected high-level producer for the team. If, if you remember, 
during preseason talk. It was it was about Kalu being the leader in rebounding and different things of that sort. Who do you think has the potential to be that com- somewhat surprise player this year that, you know, maybe it's not necessarily leading the team in certain categories or certain statistics, but kind of maybe getting more minutes than you projected or kind of, you know, ha- filling a role better than you thought they would heading into the season? think either point guard have that capability okay yeah i mean it's probably gonna have to be one of those two because i don't know i mean i guess if if they don't get either waiver like it could be a josh it could be potentially even a rayvon but um i think if you're looking at both of those bigs being eligible big sliding to the four yeah you start doing the math on minutes. Close it up, yeah. There, there's not a lot of, uh, not a lot of room for somebody to jump up and, you know, and and, but to to the question, like we all knew Vic was going to play a ton last yeah, year, but I, I mean he just produced more than, yeah, than but he produced more. Maybe John Newman because I think we just right. forgot about him last yep. year. I mean, like, you kind of touched, touched all the ones that I was thinking. I, you know, I, just the way that Wes talks about Reed um, kind of makes you think if if the minutes are available, then, you know, he might have the ability to produce. I, I kind of hope it's Rayvon because, you know, everyone's talking about how he's a little bit more ready than than people, you know, anticipated at this level at this point. Um, but, yeah, I think John would probably be the correct answer if he can stay healthy the whole year uh, and kind of – put up stat, higher stats than you would imagine he would heading into the year. Next. Uh, so it, if you guys remember last year, uh, the full court press was kind of used a lot in the beginning of the year, uh, and kind of somewhat exposed, uh, especially in that, that Arizona game. But Arizona was a bit bit of a unicorn when it came to, uh, you know, high-level offense and, and getting things moving. But um, Wes has mentioned how he's getting, he's got the personnel in, in right now on the team that kind of fits the way he wants to play a little bit more. Do you think that ha- that has a direct correlation with the full court press? And do you think that'll kind of be the uh, go-to defense that we see out of this team now that the length of the uh, you know bigs, if, if available, are there to uh, to help out? Take it away, Chad. I think that. I think that- <laughs> I think that legit depends on the waivers. Yeah. You know, if you've got that that kind of depth at the five and you've got Aziz back there to just yeah. erase whatever comes his way, then I think you can be a little bit more uh, uh, aggressive. freewheeling, aggressive yeah. with trying to, to press. Um, without him... I think you're in a difficult spot because of the two new point guards. Yeah. So not only are you asking them to run a big 12 offense for the first time, you're also asking them to defend 96 feet. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that that's ideal. <laughs> right? right. Yes. Um, so like, I, 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 if you have the waivers, I think you can be a little bit more aggressive pressing. Um, but like, I don't know. You're still talking fit. Like, are CMOS and CJ guys that you want out there? Like, I think because of how well they complement each other offensively, 
with their ability to pass and cut mm-hmm. and understand how to play high level offense. You want them on the floor. Can you really press with right. those two and a freshman at point guard as your potentially your one, two, three? True. I don't know that that's ideal. Uh, unless you have Aziz back there and you just, you know, we're, we're going to funnel you. Right. We can't turn you over. Um, I, I think you'll, especially because you can, like, if you've got John Newman and Dan on the floor, right. You've got some length and athleticism to, to crank it up. Yeah. And, and give teams problems. Uh, but you know, if, if you're dealing with no Aziz, no Jamil, and you've got Vic and Odie, can you afford the potential foul trouble? Do you want them really trying to hang out and make plays in space? Like, mm-hmm. I think you have a lot of tough questions to ask yourself Yeah. in terms of how much you want to press if you don't get the waivers. Yeah, I think we kind of saw how that went with the Vic Odie combo yeah. at the back of the of the. It, well, it but they were they were too small to press last year, like right. last year and the year before. They just they they didn't have it. It it felt like they wanted to to do it. Sure, you know, less to press, right? To a fault, almost. Um, it's who he is. It's how he coaches. Yep. Which is which is good to hear that he says you know he's finally got the personnel to to. Uh, the way he wants to play so if, if that's the case and, and cross your fingers on the on the waivers obviously um now this is obviously very waiver dependent because it can change uh but based off of what you guys have seen what you've heard this is a uh justin berg special question um who would you say is going to have the best poster dunk this year if the waiver's clear it's going to be a z's mm-hmm. and it's going to happen more than once. <laughs> okay. And if the waivers don't clear, Aaron, who you got? If it, um, maybe Ray. Okay. That he's, he's, I have he's, no, he, he's no stranger to being on a highly a highlight reel. Yeah. I have the same answer whether the waivers clear or not. Okay. Here we go. I think Dan's finally going to get one of those. Dan, Dan tries to dunk on it. Like, he just wasn't strong enough yet last year. Oh, he tried. He tried. Like, he he is he is looking to come down the floor in transition and give somebody one of these. Mm-hmm. But he would get hit, and his body wasn't built to absorb the contact. Right. He He's going to get somebody this year. Yeah. Like, it might not be a bunch, mm-hmm. but he's going to have one of at least one of those. Yeah. One, so I'm going to go with Dan because I think it's something that he is dead set on doing. Yeah. So I'm going to go with Dan. Okay. I. Good. I missed that basketball. Ooh. I mean, he tried to do it like five times last year. I know, but he just no. got fouled. And trying to do it and doing it are different things. I Wait. look, give me, give me all the dunks. The the Less best three is yeah. more dunks. The best attempt last year was uh Kalu from the free throw line at UCF. <laughs> Came up about five feet short. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but who, who knows? Aziz could maybe do that. 
maybe he's just you know warning us about the future, saying you guys will have someone next year that could potentially do this. So watch me try. Um, but uh, you know, I think I think if you get Jizzle or or Day Day that are like extremely confident one game and they get a get a blow by past the defender and kind of rise up, I I could see them having a pretty nasty one. Um, but yeah, it's it's fun to say all these different players that kind of fit that mold. But you know, the way that you mentioned disease kind of just throwing down anything near the rim kind of makes me agree with Aaron. But either way, I think I, I think Dan Dan looks huge. Anything near the backboard. Right. Not near yeah, the rim. Near the backboard. Near near the baseline. Um can, anything ev- near the can, baseline. Ev- can everyone on this team dunk? Can CJ Frederick dunk? Yes, they're college basketball players. They can all dunk. I, I mean, DeJulius would never dunk. He can't, but he could. Well, uh, my point is, like, are we is are we going to see a CJ Frederick dunk? I guess. No. Or is or is he going to be a David DeJulius and lay it up? Yeah, There's nothing wrong. If with you that. if you try that and miss it, yeah, that's especially if you're CJ Anthony. Yeah, it's not good. I, I I mean there's I no knock on the guys last year but like see like Micah on a breakaway and, and just laying it in was just like oh gosh would be awesome to get the crowd hyped with a dunk right there but hey we'll take but the two. outside of CJ Frederick though is is there anybody else that we're gonna see the layup as the go to as opposed to the dunk oh I could see CJ Frederick dunking I thought you meant CJ Anthony no. CJ Frederick's six five. Like he can dunk like on a fast break. Like Julius didn't dunk because the odds of him making the dunk were very low. I get that. Like CJ Frederick can can dunk. Yeah. Like that. Okay. If he gets one out in transition with, you know, a, like a clear path to the dunk, he will dunk. Yeah. Okay. Gosh. It, it, it's a great thing to say, huh? Uh, well, yeah, the difference in this roster being your point guards are six foot, six one, but they're both super explosive. And then everybody else is six five or six four, six five, yeah. or and bigger. So then, so then, yes, everybody, we should expect to see a dunk from everybody th- throughout the season. I would think so. Yes. Okay. Of the thirteen scholarship players, I would right. think that is that right. is yeah. Man. Dunk away, baby. Dunk away. <laughs> I'm all about it. Um, I mean, let's uh, let's also not forget, Brent. There's yeah. there's a guy we didn't mention that probably has the best poster dunk on the roster. John Newman. When he was at Clemson, and it's John Newman. Well, and his dunk at Houston. Yeah, that was so that too. Was a, a beautiful one as well. Um, yeah, I mean, that, John. He's he's kind of the forgotten man on the roster, but I, you know. West talks talks about him a lot, gives him a lot of high praise, kind of just that that leader. Um, I mean, I don't know. It, it it just seems like there's so many pieces on this team. It's kind of crazy. Uh, but need to mold it together and, and figure it out. And obviously the the big men have a lot to do with it, with the uh, you know waiver appeal and whatnot. But who knows? I I think it's a a scenario where you have a lot of excitement, a lot of ability to kind of move things around. Which which brings me to. My thought, Chad, after you took into the practice, you saw you saw the different lineups and whatnot, saying the waivers do get processed. What's your favorite small ball potential lineup and favorite big man potential lineup if the waivers do get granted? Uh I mean, I I think most likely 
the the game one starting lineup if the waivers are granted would be Day Day, CJ Frederick, John Newman, Vic, and Aziz. Mm-hmm. That would be my today guess. Obviously, there's still five weeks of practice and two super secret scrimmages. All right. Uh, in between to to change that opinion. Small ball, I think you just you take out Aziz, you slide Vic down to the five, you slide CMOS to the four, and you insert Dan. Okay. So uh Davion, CJ, Dan. Well, CMOS Vic. CMOS Vic, yeah. That would probably well Newman. Maybe maybe Dan is still like the six man super sub kind of, and then Newman, Seamoss, Vic. Uh, but I could see Dan in there maybe instead of of John and John as your like come in and get a stop type guy off the bench in that second unit. If you're running big on that first unit, wouldn't you put Seamoss in at the point forward? Well, he would be the three that could play point forward. Yeah. He would be the three that would handle quite a bit of your offense initiation. You wouldn't want, just want to say to hell with it and put him at the one? Mm-mm. Who guards the other team's one? Eh, see what he's made of. No. <laughs> in the Big 12? No, nah, not nah, fam. Maybe maybe in the in the non-con? Like we the got non, non-con, non yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But uh, in the Big 12, no. I am not asking CMOS to guard... The, the Big 12 point guard on the other team. I mean, this pass on that. speaks to the depth right there where where the most the, – the, the best player on the court in the in the practice that the media was at last Thursday or, no, last uh, Tuesday, what, right, was it? Uh, was Dan Skillings. And- well, I talked to a couple people, and, and they had Dan at best second and Aziz as the easy okay. number one. Okay. But – that Either was way. my opinion. Yeah, that Dan right. was, was really good. And then Dan, so Dan coming off the bench, and then also the one of the best, you know, transfer commitments in in the Big Twelve. There's you know numerous articles saying that the the best transfer commitment is CMOS. You know, it's between Aziz and CMOS, um, and CMOS also coming off the bench. It just speaks loud volume to the. Uh, to the potential depth of this team, which is just yeah, I mean, I, I think you've really got six or seven, eight, you know, depending on the waivers, quality like Big Twelve level starters on the roster. Yeah, if you get both waivers. I mean, I think getting both waivers is probably not something I would uh, bet on. Anticipate. Yeah, right. I wouldn't. I wouldn't gamble on that by any stretch of the imagination. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, question from Bill I want to get to so we don't forget it. There is no deadline, Bill. The NCAA does whatever the hell it wants to do. And no, uh, neither of them have been ruled on to this point. What a joke. Hey, Tez Walker, did you see the stuff today? Aaron? I said, Tez, Tez Walker suited up on Saturday. I saw but that he you... cleared and all that. No, 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 no. This was bombshell North Carolina just bringing heat the NCAA basically said last week like we you know we approved him 
because there was additional uh, things that we information gathered that the university had that, withheld that had they had right yeah that and then uh, North Carolina came back today and said nah fam we didn't we didn't uh, there was no we didn't submit any additional information the only thing that changed is that the attorney general from North Carolina called and said we will be uh, seeking antitrust litigation against the NCAA uh, if this is not uh, reversed and you reversed it. Well, so, I mean, think of North the Carolina came double birds. Think of what the NCAA and, said, though. Why, why in the flying fuck would right. the university withhold information from trying right. to get a guy granted weight? Like that, none of that ever made any bit of sense. Right. But they expected North Carolina to just be like, Go like, away thankful. quietly. Yeah, thankful that they that they got the waiver and to not say anything back. And North Carolina was like, "No, nah, we didn't. We didn't do anything different. We didn't add any additional information. Uh, you just changed your mind because we threatened. Uh, we we're going to take you to court. Legitimate legal ramifications for your stupidity. Well, yeah, yeah. because as soon as that's granted, if if they would have won that case." There are no more waivers, right? Ever until the Supreme Court overrules it. Get out of here! What a joke! Yeah, I mean, I just let's just get Tom Mars on speed dial and have him ready, I guess, and get that Red Bull print out. And... <laughs> no, yeah. the Red uh, Box, not the Red Bull print. The Red Box. Well, I meant the Red Bull framing, yeah, box of. Framing Tom Mars and whatever. Uh, Ryan Royer, fresh from Yo. your 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 duties, baby. I, we need to hear more yeah. about it. If it has anything to do with Bearcats, we discuss it here on the pod. But if not, without further ado, how are we, Ryan? Doing well. Just coming back from a UC kind of athlete career fair type thing where they invite back um, former alumni or just local business professionals that want to kind of network slash help uh, the UC student athletes. So I've done it now two years in a row, just trying to give back because they, uh, that type of networking that UC puts on is really would help me get my job at GE. So wow. I kind of feel like I owe it. I owe it to uh, the system that helped get me where I'm at today to try to help as many current Bearcat athletes as I can. Oh, We'll pay it forward, if you will. Yeah, gotta pay for man. Love that, man. And, and did he... they agree to pay for half of this podcast that you missed? <laughs> they gave me my uh, parking voucher, uh, so I didn't have to pay six bucks to park Ooh. park at Varsity Village. Hey, baby, oh. that would get you one McDouble these days. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, they they taking care of us, man. Yeah, man. Oh, oh, you're muted, Chad. You're muted. You're muted. Don't don't ask for Mac sauce. That'll put it out of budget. They charge right, you extra right. for Mac sauce. Oh, oh man, I make it seven twenty. Kelsey gets Mac sauce. She gets cheeseburgers with Mac sauce and lettuce. So it's like a Big Mac. You get charged forty cents for Mac sauce on a cheeseburger, it's a which is like move. literally one like it's like three cents of Mac sauce, and they charge you forty. Hey man, that's that's a veteran move though. Better move. Yeah, yeah I mean, good, if there's something on a menu, what? That's a good order by her. If there's something on a menu that costs extra, Kelsey wants it. <laughs> Don't take her to Jeff Ruby's. 
<laughs> Luckily, oh, Dave paid for it. So I will take the steak burrow. Thank you. Yes, sir. Well, 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 good. Welcome back, Royer. Hopefully, some some future engineers you were chatting it yeah. up. Yeah, I mean, I just felt like I came back right now at the perfect time to talk about Louisville football and Jeff Brom. Okay. And that was Ryan Royer on the BBP. He will be back <laughs> next week. <laughs> I know Chad was itching to talk about it, so I thought I'd introduce it. My my finger is on the remove button. So you oh, know. Oh shit. I thought you were down. My bad. He's down to climb. You, know, you were here last week. Oh, I know. I gotta poke so the bear secret. sometime. Jack Harlow. <laughs> gosh, what what was that all about on Saturday? That was a freaking weird, weird little madhouse at the Papa John's. Mad at free. I'm so mad at free. Yeah. <laughs> I actually feel bad for Freeman because they're gonna He's start coming for him. Yeah, he's in a rough spot. Well, dude, they played three gauntlets in a row. Like, it's yeah. hard, man. It is hard to play like three unexpected games. Unexpected too. Yeah, and you kind of saw like what would happen with us. Our, you know, not we weren't playing the same quality of teams, but where teams it was like there, it was like they had that game circled. It was their Super Bowl every week, and so we would just get everyone's best shot. And when you get three of those in a row, man, it's. It's hard. But that's what you sign up for when you say yes to be the head coach at Notre Dame. You're yeah. everybody's big game. Yeah. You guys know how you viewed that Notre Dame game. Oh, yeah. The uh, the that's Dallas Cowboys of, of college football right there. I'll tell you that much. But, yeah. I, I mean, I'd still say it's Alabama. but who, Alabama's the Dallas Cowboys? Alabama would be like the Patriots. But, uh, anyway. Um, yeah, it's, it's. Patriots fucking suck. They well, are Alabama's dreadful. Not right oh, they're terrible. Dreadful. Mac Jones bench. He's a worse quarterback than Desmond Ritter. Come on. I thought we were talking basketball. Where are we right now? <laughs> Royer came in, in talking thing. about young professionals of Cincinnati. Got the and... Mac Jones. What are we doing? <laughs> I don't know, man. Carry on, gentlemen. We it, went off the rails. It's been a life. short show for me. I, I need to make an impact somehow. Roy, how excited are you for basketball season? It's less than a month. Away. I, dude, I am. This team they got put together. I know the whole thing we always talk about waiver, waiver, waiver. Those damn waivers go through. I think Wes is really, and that that I'm telling you, man, that the momentum it's it's going. It, it's an avalanche. Palpable, baby. All we need is we need one breakout year where we just go off, and I think we're primed to do it this year. I mean, I, I'm I'm all in on Wes. Um, I think I think they're gonna have a really good year this year and shock a lot of people in the Big Twelve. Maybe not. I'm not calling it like they're gonna win the Big Twelve or anything, but they're gonna do better than a lot of people think. It's actually pretty surprising what their odds are uh, in in the Big Twelve this season heading in. It's it's better than than people would think. They are not at all projected to finish close to last. So Vegas is is drinking the Kool Aid a little bit too. So um, it'll be. Be exciting to see where where that comes from, but um, let's see. I I guess I mean we we kind of touched on pretty much everything basketball wise. That I was kind of just some some quick hitters there. Um, obviously, the whole waiver thing is is massive. Um, I don't know. We'll we'll see as that trickles away, but uh, it's big big time games. I, you know, it's weird though, it, Chad. 
we got we got to talk about this. A lot of Monday games for the Bearcats this year. That means the BVP be bumping to Sunday night. Is that would would that be the move there? I think so. I mean, I don't think we have much of a choice. Like, I, we're gonna do a live from bumping, Lawrence. We're not bumping George in the jungle. No, no, we're gonna do a live from Lawrence though on Monday at midday. We'll be <laughs> eight jealous. Everybody shots bring their laptops. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Live as soon from as we Lawrence. check in the hotels. I saw I saw a question that I don't. I, it was a question I was tossed around that I don't want to ask, but I'll. I'll I'll ask it, and if you guys don't want to answer, then don't answer, then uh, and then we'll move on. But uh, what would you rather take this year? A win at the Fog, or a win in Norwood? Norwood. I take Norwood every time. They they've won once in that godforsaken hellhole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, Aaron. The oh, answer is yeah. always always there, but. It, it, it's interesting that we can now throw that out there. I, I mean, it's like in the past, what was it? Would you rather win at Houston or uh, I don't know, but it feels good to actually say that. Um, Roy, you have any, any questions on B-ball or are we, we, we ready to, to roll on? I, I guess one, one I would, I was really want to pick your guys brain on is out of the young guys that kind of saw action last year. Um, who do you think is going to take the biggest step this year and have the Damn. biggest impact? Dan, and do you see any of the incoming freshmen kind of pushing that envelope to competing with impact with, I guess, Dan, in your opinion, Chad, or do you think Dan's going to kind of go far and beyond from them? Jessel's going to have to play a lot. Um, You know, he's, he's one of only really two scholarship point guards on the roster. So he's got the talent. Um, the question will be how long does it take for, for things to slow down for him? Um, you know, the biggest issue I've seen with him so far, which you would expect from a freshman point guard at this level is, is turnovers, taking care of the ball, being sound, um, not trying to do too much, but he is clearly incredibly talented. So He's going to play. He's probably, because of situation, going to have to play more than Dan did last year. Now, you know, John Newman going out and then Rob Fennessy getting hurt kind of changed the the metrics for Dan last year that allowed him to play maybe more than he would have if those two guys would have been healthy. But, yeah, Jizzle's going to have to play. He's going to have to play a lot. He's going to have to be pretty good but this is going to be a good team. Like he cannot be a liability for 14 minutes a night. If you bring him into the game, that's not, I don't think he's going to be, I'm just saying like he's going to play at least equal minutes to what Dan saw last year. And he's also not going to have the, the issue that Dan had last year, which is Dan hadn't played a lot of high major, hadn't played any, like hardly any basketball for most of his life up until last season. So, you know, Dan was, um, Dan was on the fly (laughs) and trying to figure it out as he went and, and doing so without a lot of strength in his core and his upper body, um, trying to like, you know, play through contact and being physical. 
Jizzle is not going to have any issues being physical. Like, uh, Ryan, have you seen pictures of him? He looks like, I mean, and, and they bark at me whenever I bring this up because I guess he doesn't like it. He looks like a running back. Like, he he looks like his dad. Diesel. <laughs> like, who doesn't like it? Eyes, but, but he wants to be a basketball player. Like, he wants to be – he doesn't like that comparison of, oh, your point – you know, he looks like running back. Like, that's – you know, the kid doesn't – and I get it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you don't, you don't want to always be compared to your Hall of Fame dad, especially if you're playing different sports. But – but – uh, he looks physically like he's been in college for a little while and he could go out and get like 112 yards on Oklahoma's defense if he really wanted to. <laughs> that's a good thing, man. Strong I mean, that's a kid, difference man. maker Strong. in basketball. Well, yeah, because you got to You got to finish, man. And that's the hardest part yeah. is having that base to where when you get bumped, you don't go flying. Your body can yeah. still power through like, and, and in the lane, get to the rim and get your shot off. Like LeBron. I mean, obviously LeBron's a, a way different size comparison, but when it comes to that strength, kind of having that, that different kind of build than most basketball players, I think utilizing that strength is what ma- it's, what's made him so good even in his later years now. And he can't be as explosive because he just goes up into people and through them. Well, and he changed his, he was able to change his game because yeah. of that strength and from being a guard to being more of a, a forward or whatever. Yeah. That's good. As long as like, cause you know, sometimes like football players, when they go try to play basketball, they're, they're not smooth. They're, they're clunky. Right. They don't really know how to use their body in like the basketball sense of things. And, but obviously if you're a point guard and you're one of the best recruits in the country, you know how to use your body for basketball. And if you have a football yeah. body, I think even cause you're going to be going against guards too. If you can get by guards and get up, get up into the trees and get up and get physical and break through some of those arms and, and finish. I think that's really going to help them, especially kind of when you're young too, kind of level some of that playing field. He's a beast. He's a beast. And, and you know, I'm, I'm so excited to see if Rayvon carves out some sort of a role on the team this year. Um, There's I don't know definitely that... a place. Right. Physically right. he's, he's good. Like, right. you know, he, he, he doesn't look, or play like freshman. Yeah. It's numbers, man. Oof. It is, right. It's a lot <laughs> That's of them. the thing. It's it's just it is nuts. I I mean obviously the waiver thing happens. I think you're going to he's going to have to have someone of a role um no matter yeah. what, but if if things go hopeful for the Bearcats then yeah. But man, the uh, the weapons that are available, it's 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 nuts. It's it's a a luxury and some that will only get better um, before we close up the uh, basketball talk. See, see, this wasn't too bad, Chad. You and Aaron dogging the whole. Let's let's have a little bit more in depth. Well, but this talk. wasn't a season preview. I wasn't talking season preview. No, you did. You said we'll do the basketball. I said basketball. No, I said basketball. Your exact words. Your exact words. I will go back and find it for a fact. I said basketball centric podcast. After we made fun of you for doing a preview. No, no, no. No, no, no. Mm. I'll go back and find it. But, um, see, that wasn't too bad. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hey, guys. Think this about... is from last Monday. Hey, guys. Think oh, tonight's pod is uh, Brent's superlatives. Uh, and then next week will be the full-on basketball preview. Okay. Okay. Sure. 
we're going to talk about text messages in this podcast. Got right? the receipts. Hey, well, at least I actually try to get some things together for the squad. Right there hey, it is. Put that away. Don't don't be giving out phone numbers. <laughs> Golly, got enough people hitting my hitting my line these days, man. But, uh, but yeah, full <laughs> on basketball preview. This is what I meant, words. though. Obviously, I'm not going to say who do you think is going to lead the team in blocks this year. Well, why wouldn't you? You love superlatives. That's your. But that's something thing. that happens after the waivers come in. <laughs> come on, man, y'all, y'all just dogging my. You name just said let's talk some basketball time. next week. I would wait, be like, wait, all wait. right. So, so we have to do this show again once we have the waiver declaration. No, no because then, because then that would be a four-hour show because we have the football recap of the game, which is what uh, I said to you in our text messages, Aaron. I will show the screen that too. But, uh, I didn't show any screenshots, bro. I'm joking. I'm joking. But uh, yeah, I mean that was good. Um, Chad, do you want to touch on the the 2025 name that's making some uh, some noise on the uh, board right now, or is that something to be quiet about? It's it's a name I've mentioned in the past. Damian mm-hmm. Hanna, his brother played for Drew Adams at Bradley. Drew obviously has a great relationship with the family. Uh, Damian Hanna is a top 25 kid in the 2025 class from Milwaukee. Um, I have not seen him, so I can't, you know, speak intelligently on his game yet. Mm-hmm. But Wes and Drew are in Milwaukee today. And they did see Davion Hanna. So there you go. Gosh, the hits just keep coming, man. I tell you what. And and the craziest thing is he, he is what three, four? Uh, oh wow. As of right now, I, I this will probably change. Oh yeah, only the top ten are five stars in the class of 2025 for now. Yeah, I'm I'm sure that that's something that is just it expands as they keep going and they get more right. data points and more evaluation. But yeah, right. but normally it's like the top 24, 25 do hit that five star. Roughly, yes, depending um, on who's recruiting them and all of that. You know, whatever. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, so that's uh, exciting. Exciting news. Just thought I'd bring it up because I, I saw I was kind of hitting the uh, the whole thing. Um, yes, yes, Joshua, it hurt my feelings. That's why I was sad. But anyway, uh, let's go and wrap up this with a quick timestamp, and then we'll uh, touch on homecoming and then the mailbag. That's a BBP timestamp brought to you by Quick Paper Supply, your local and family-owned restaurant supply company for all your non-food products. Quick Paper services over 150 restaurants with weekly low men on the next day deliveries, providing a wide range of food service products from to-go containers, cups, custom printed products, eco-friendly, and much more. They also have cleaning and restroom supplies for all your janitorial needs. Call our guy, Nick, 513-470-2029 and reference Bearcats for 20% off your first month of purchases. There you go. Homecoming week. Royer, homecoming week. Did that, did that jazz up the boys a little bit more for... I mean, is it that high school vibe? Like, if I if I win this game, Sally's gonna love me at that homecoming dance. I tell you what, or was it just kind of another game for you guys? Uh, it doesn't carry that same weight. I think it's more for the alumni that it, it it's got more of the energy for because a bunch of people come back into the town. Um, you don't always get to see, but it, it doesn't like you, you kind of think that maybe it'll be a little bit more popping at the game. Like there might be a little bit more energy, but you know, it's a noon kick again. I mm-hmm. think homecoming homecoming nip at night would always be 
kind of uh, a little bit more energy out in the stands. Ah, but yeah, I wouldn't say it's any anything like the players latch on too hard to though. Well, the uh, Iowa State Ames come to town. I, I don't know if you guys caught their uh, throwback uniforms last this past weekend. It's they're pretty, pretty sweet, pretty sweet, cool uniforms. But the fact that they call themselves the Iowa State Ames is kind of weird. Uh, just like calling so yourself the Cyclones, the, the city. What? Yeah, so, so it's Cyclones. Well, but there's a lot of tornadoes there. And and the, you are in Tornado Alley. Tornado Alley there. So that's that's understandable. Technically, by definition, that's not a, actually a cyclone. What is it, weatherman? Cyclones are water, water tornadoes, tornadoes. Yeah. Well, maybe it hits a lake. They every once it up for you know they were they were landlocked. It couldn't be more landlocked. It's in they the can't call dead it, smack in the middle of the they United can't States. Call it the Iowa State tornadoes. I was the, the belly button football team. I was the that. belly button of the United States. You could not be more landlocked. And, yeah, got a lot of lint in that belly button there, too. Got to clean that sucker out. Um, but, yeah, the Iowa State Ames Cyclones are coming to town. Uh, the seventh hardest schedule so far this season, uh, starting schedule-wise, which is, you know, got a lot of a lot of opportunity to, to kind of beat yourself up. And, obviously, they, they didn't they, – they took a bit of a gamble – during the off season and the last season as well. And the gamble hasn't really paid off for them. Um, that was a betting joke. If, if you guys see what you did there, a little bit, a little bit of a catch. Um, but I guess the, you know, kind of had a, a huge bounce back win, if you will, got obliterated by Oklahoma and then was able to kind of, uh, you know, show themselves a little bit better in their last game with the, uh, you know, how weird is the big 12 to be honest with you? It's just like, doesn't make any sense. Who's good? Who's not? You you really don't know. Um, you know, you lose first. You beat Oklahoma State, who randomly beat what I Kansas State. That you Kansas then State, you yeah. then you lose at Oklahoma by thirty, and then you beat TCU. I, I like the whole thing is just TCU's not good. No, I. But neither is it's, Oklahoma State. Look, but they beat Kansas State. I it just it's exactly what we have talked about. This is a league of coin flips. It is a yeah. league of who gets more turnovers that day, who who makes you know the, the bigger mm-hmm. play to change momentum and turn a three-point game into a 17-point game because you know you somebody blocked a, a punt and it, it bounced right to a guy for a touchdown or just the weird shit that happens in this league is what you're going to have to Cincinnati fans are going to have to learn to accept this because this is this league. Mm -hmm. Everybody recruits at almost the same level. Like everybody's going to be tougher at home. Like Iowa state is considerably much more of a difficult out at home than they are on the road. Right. Like I, you know, it's, It's a nightmare of a league because there's there's no certainties, especially once Texas and Oklahoma are gone. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be like the 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 three teams that catch the breaks that year, or that have the star quarterback or what you know whatever. Those are going to be the teams at the top of the league, and everybody else, you know, you'll have two or three teams that are shit at the bottom, mm-hmm. and then. 
Nine teams in the middle. Colorado's putting itself in a pretty good position to be one of those top three teams every year. No, they're not. Financially, they're going to be able to do whatever they want. Okay, but they still are absolute dog shit on defense, and they have no offensive line. And Shador Sanders is not going to be their quarterback next year. Correct. I think their most recent, like, their recruiting class this this upcoming season is, like, 17 skill position players and, like, three linemen. Yeah. They're just figuring they'll go in the portal and spend on whatever you need at offensive line. Yeah. Good luck. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, Arizona almost beat U- USC. Uh, arguably, you could say maybe should have. Um, should have. They're, they're joining. Uh, Arizona State is had a weird year, but they're still being competitive against teams. I, I mean, it, it's very strange. Who and, and obviously Utah, but it's going to be tough. It, the The Big Twelve ain't messing around because I guess anything could happen any given Saturday, uh, especially because. I, I mean, Baylor, you know, we're going to talk about them obviously next week, but Baylor comes back miraculously against UCF and then looks like one of the worst teams in the country. I I don't know. The, the whole thing is just very strange um, to me. And I guess as we continue to take a look at, uh, at what is going to happen the rest of the season, it's going to be each week could be a different feel heading into it. But uh, heading into this one, Obviously, Chad, you and you and Dave do a do a deeper dive on Iowa State. So my question to you guys, I'll start with Ryan because because you are our uh, football expert. Uh, what do you want to see out of the Bearcats the most heading into this homecoming matchup against the Cyclones? I want to see them start fast on offense because um, I think I think the D is going to have a, a good. I think the D is going to have a good game. I think they're going to hold them in check like they have been holding like every big 12 team in check that we've played so far. Um, but I want to see the offense go out there and establish like their game in the first half. I want to mm-hmm. see them put up 21 points in the first half. And I want to see them establish, establish the run, get back to that dynamic motion on offense too. And I want to see Emery uh, step up and have a, have a comeback game. I think he's been, he's been doing well with his feet. I think there's, I need, I need to see him hit a couple more of the deep balls because um, we take the shots. We just can't seem to can't seem to get them. We're like half a step too far um, on some of his balls. But, I, yeah, that's pretty much what I'm looking for. And so during bye weeks, do you think tweaks to kind of that opening, you know, schedule, I mean, the opening script that you have offensively, do you think that – something that changes to the point where you could see that, that quick start because you throw something at Iowa state that isn't on tape. Yeah. Uh, you got a whole extra week of prep extra week to try stuff out, watch, break down more film film of you got you, you have more time to break down your own film, what you need to get better on and more film uh, for Iowa state. Uh, so you definitely see like you see a lot of things get tried. And so you might have things that you may not have had time to look at um, in a normal week. So things might be expanded and things might be more precise and honed in on, on both sides of the ball. We always made sure to really have good, a good two weeks of practice um, back when I was playing. So I, I expect the same from, from Satterfield's boys. Um, I, I, I am expecting kind of a different, a little bit more of a, what's the word I'm thinking for, I'm looking for. 
revamped feel on offense. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think the defense has been so consistent and have put us in every game, every position to win every game we've played this year. So I'm expecting them to stick with what they're doing. And and guess what, Ryan? This is an Iowa State team that runs the football a lot. And that's where they had most of their yeah. success last week. And, and then most of their wins comes from running. I think they had one really good passing game against Oklahoma State earlier in the year. And that was about it. Because outside of that, it's defense and run the football. Um, Aaron, what do you want to see? Well, I give my three keys on what Friday nights, Thursday nights, whatever night we do, three keys on Thursday nights. Right. So without getting too deep in the weeds, um, I don't know. I, I just. I want to see them essentially force Iowa State to be uncomfortable, and I hope to God they've been practicing nothing but 25 yards and and in. That's it. Only red zone. Only red zone. For, for two weeks, they should have been just 25. We're fine inside the 25s, mm-hmm. but just nothing but 25 yards and in. Okay. Okay. Put the ball in the end zone. Fair. Fair. Chad, what you got? Sorry, I'm um laughing at some Mark Stoops things at the moment. Mark uh, Stoops. That, we, that yeah, we can talk about here in a second. Okay. Um Iowa State is interesting because they had the gambling stuff that kind of shook that program early right and they lost a veteran quarterback that they thought was going to be their guy they mm-hmm. went with a young guy if you go watch that first half of oklahoma uh where they they at least were putting points on the board like they weren't keeping up because oklahoma scored 40 on them um in the first half right. um i he looked like he was getting comfortable to me and they were hitting some big plays mm-hmm. that allowed them to kind of hang around in that game. They did not look like they had an offense that can sustain much of anything. Yeah. So if you limit the big plays, you limit that offense. Now that's a good defense. What Oklahoma did to them was a surprise. Mm-hmm. So if you can find a way to get some points on the board, I you know what I would look at? Why not speed it up? Why not try? Like, you're not going to run that blazing fast offense that Oklahoma runs. But guess what? If you get a first down and the clock's still running, get on the ball. Don't substitute. Mm-hmm. Don't let them adjust. Don't let them. They look like they struggled when they weren't able to fully get set and, like, stop that Oklahoma offense. So put some pressure on. Like if that's that's what coaches do, right? They they imitate. This is what worked. Then let's try some of that. Right. Let's try some. Let's see some up tempo, especially early against Iowa State to to try to catch that defense. Maybe getting something that they didn't anticipate. Um, because I think Oklahoma executed it perfectly against them at least. In that first half and the second half, they kind of took their foot off the gas because Iowa State was not getting up above 40 points in that game, no matter what. You limit their big plays with your defense and you make it difficult for them to sustain drives, you know. But 
the fear is this is a defense that has given up big, some big plays. Right. Yeah. So I, you can't let Iowa State hit three or four 40 plus yard plays mm -hmm. and get you out of what you do best. Right. Yeah. I, I like their young quarterback, though. Rocco Beck. Yeah. Rock, first name Rocco. That's, that's always a good one. Um, but uh, yeah, it, I mean, you mentioned what his his two touchdown passes against Oklahoma. It, it was 118 of his 188 yards in that game was on those two long touchdown passes. So what has Cincinnati struggled with? It, it is those big splash plays from here and there. Um, so yeah, definitely contain that. Uh, but I'm, I'm with Royer uh, score early, you know, I get a splash player to your own. Um, that's, that's, you know, obviously we, we talked about it last week, the whole stats that they lead the country. In. And the more I thought about it, I was, I was like, you know what, these are probably stats you don't want to lead the country in because that means that you're, kind of methodically doing things, but if you aren't scoring, then like who cares about first downs and time of possession and all that. So I, I want to see the splash plays offensively because we, you know, we heard about it in the offseason. We saw it against EKU, saw it a little bit against Pitt, not not quite as much, but you know, let's let's, let's see that again. You know, a couple of deep hits and and kind of score, you know, a touchdown or two in the first half in the in the first quarter and a half, make yourself feel good. And then after that, just, just go out and can complete the game and win. Um, I think the line opened up at two and a half. I think it's already pushed out to uh, I think five and a half is last I saw. So it's a, it's a game that could be won, obviously. And, and one that the Bearcats are favored in. And uh, it's, <laughs> it's time to just go out there and win a, win a doggone game. Five, five is where the line's at right now. So, Nippert Stadium, twelve noon. I, so, Chad, do you know anything about this? How, if it's on ESPN Plus, picking your time slot that that you desire the most, and and this game's not on ESPN Plus, right? It? I'm talking about net. I, I was talking yeah, next week, Baylor. Yeah, is is it? I don't know. So it is. It is up to the school. Um, the, it could be a couple things. I. I kind of dug around and didn't get a like a concrete answer but right. there are a couple trains of thought as to why you go ahead and, and just play one it's going to be early for Baylor it's going to it would be essential to a, essentially an 11 a.m kickoff for them right you just play and yeah. hey get your asses up early be ready to go like we're on our home turf the other one being coaches don't like to sit around and wait all day. They want to play. Yeah. Um, but I question, doesn't that kind of play like the opposing team is the one that doesn't want to sit around all day. Right. Right. You don't want to be stuck in your hotel room all day. Like, don't you guys prefer early games on the road? Uh, honestly, like I, I thought the three thirty games were, were the best for road games. Cause the 12 o'clock road games, you're traveling. And you're you're a little tired after uh, traveling on the plane, and you have to get up at like seven a.m. and it's kind of go go go. I always felt that three thirty was kind of better because sometimes, man, you, the boys needed a little coach fix scream session on those noon away games. <laughs> so <laughs> you do lie. think there is something to playing at noon, like forcing your opponent to play early on the road? Yeah, I think it, I, it's not. I wouldn't call it an advantage at all if you're the road team. Um, I wouldn't say like it's gonna like really impact the game, 
but it's definitely not assisting the road team. Gosh, yeah. Damn noon kick at Tulane your senior year. Damn noon kick at Navy your senior year. It's yeah. just like those were uh, those are prime examples of what I'm talking about. Right. Uh, so that's a little insight into what might be behind it. Like right. yeah. You know, if you're a coach, there's always gamesmanship. You're always trying to to one up the other guy. I think mm-hmm. that could be a little bit of what is at play here. And like I said, like coaching staffs want to get get them on the field and go. Like, yeah, because yeah, seven o'clock as as fun as nip at night is, man. When you're waiting around, we have like three and a half hours off on on night game where we're just sitting up in the hotel room. Some guys nap, and, you know. Sometimes you hit that that uh, late afternoon nap, and for an hour you're or two, too tired. Yeah, yeah, it kind of messes you up a little bit. Or you Coach ride around Nick, on scooters. Coach Nick loved the early games because he, you know, he loved to just jump on us right away and be like, it's, it's time to go play. Like, which there is something to that, it's, but it's always better when you're the home team in that situation. Right. Like, yeah, you're still in a hotel, but like, you're in your yeah. environment. You're, yeah, you, you just know. bust over from the practice field. Like, you don't have to do it's, and then you just go to sleep. You wake up and take the bus five minutes. You know, you know everything like the back of your hand. Mm-hmm. No surprises. So if you're wondering, unfortunately, there's not a lot of fan consideration uh, that that comes into play there. Because guess what? Fans want three thirty games or seven o'clock games. Well, like they want to tailgate. Yes. They want like they want to you know three thirty. I think is is ideal for everybody. Where you know you can. You don't, you don't have to, you don't, it's not necessarily sleeping in, but you don't have to like set the alarm to go yeah. tailgate, right? Like, but that crowd for the Oklahoma game, too, the staff probably was like, they'll come out at any time, but that was different circumstances, no. obviously. Yeah, but I'm just not, saying, they're not getting the Oklahoma crowd for Baylor. I can assure no. you of that. No, but I, I mean, this uh, history has shown that the crowd, at least in the last well, few years, have, have well, come out for 12 noon. Yeah. You beat Iowa State, right? And you get some momentum back. Then it's a little bit of a different story for for Baylor. If you lose to Iowa State and you're playing your second consecutive noon game against a team that is at the bottom of the standings, like that Baylor team is not good. Or it's probably starting to get a little bit colder, right? I mean, Saturday's not supposed to be like. No, it's not, rain it's not pretty. Yeah, it's not pretty. Is what they're uh, they're calling for right now. Good You're game to watch box. from the press boo-hoo. box. <laughs> yeah, who who is correct? I've got I've got I'm making friends. I'm gonna be in one of those low, low this luxury right. seats down on the field. It's raining. Find a little red solo cup. Get yourself a little <laughs> little sensey light. Thanks, my pal. Um, but yeah. That's that's obviously more talk for that. And and Chad, you guys will touch on more for Iowa State, but man, just win. Find a way to just win. Win, baby. Just win. Just win. And, and, and get out of there. Um fixes everything. Yes, it absolutely does. Um, yeah, we'll we'll quick paper supply time Sam. I, I did want to touch on Gonzaga and that, but I, I guess we'll save that for your guys' nightcap if you want. Um, but we'll get I, to I, it. Yeah, obviously the news that was out there. So uh, hold on. Before before we break away from football, how about this? Yeah, Stoops. Mark, Mark Stoops on his radio program tonight. 
Would fans be. have that right to complain. I give it to them. I just encourage them to donate more because that's what those dudes are doing. I can promise you, Georgia, they bought some pretty good players. You're allowed to these days. We could use some help. <laughs> True. Hey, he ain't lying. But they but they do buy players. I, well, it's like who 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 was they've been it buying that, players long before it was legal? Right. Who or was at least it? They've been telling oh. players they're going to give them a bunch of money long before it's, it was legal. It's like what Mel Tucker. It. It's like what Mel yeah. Tucker said before he was fired. Obviously, it's like hey, we need the boosters to give more money before he was. I don't. We're not going there. <laughs> we aren't touching that part. But he did. He did tell the boosters that they needed more money. He's he's touching it. Well, he told the boosters they need more money, which is like crazy because Michigan State has a lot of money. And that's... But they gave him $100 million. Mark Stoops is making $8.6 million a year right? groveling to your fan base because you can't afford to buy players. Ohio State did the same thing last year. I know. It's so funny watching. It's so funny watching. Jim, Jimbo said the same thing and then had to backtrack and, you know. Because yeah. they had the biggest budget out there last year. So, yeah. Quick Paper Supply, they provide mostly disposable restaurant supplies, products like to go containers, cups, pizza boxes, to go bags, can liners, napkins. They've been open since 2009 and are one of the largest minority owned companies in the city. Call Nick 513 470 2029 and reference Bearcats for 20% off your first month of purchases. And uh, before we get into the mailbag, the mailbag. Is brought to you by Home Field Apparel. Home Field is a premium collegiate apparel brand based in Indianapolis. They emphasize their commitment to creating incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. The growing collection, over 150 colleges, uh, is there for you to choose from, including your favorite team, the Cincinnati Bearcats. What you do, you go to homefieldapparel.com. And if it's your first order, you enter BCJ23. That will get you 15% off of your order. It is the most comfortable college apparel that I own. I have a ton of it. I have a ton of it. Uh, that is from Under Armour, Nike, you name it. Uh, Homefield is the most comfortable. It's not particularly close. So... Go to homefieldapparel.com and they will get you taken care of. Use code BCJ23. Mailbag. Mailbag. All right. Steve, thanks. Mailbag was pretty full. Thank you for your thank you for your contributions. Uh oh, it's our friend OU Steve. Steve is back. What's we up, love, Steve? We love we love OU Steve. Yeah, thank you, Steve. Um, Good luck this week. All right. Chicago Bearcat asks, he's got a couple in here today. Uh, I'm not an expert on offensive line, but curious what makes how we teach our offensive line different from coach to coach or scheme to scheme. For example, what did Ron Crook teach versus Mike Cummings or versus Nick Cardwell now? How much is the same versus what makes it different? Any insight you got Ryan. on that, Ryan? I, you'd have to be in the room most of the time to know. But Yeah, uh, I, I don't really know. I know, obviously, they wanted to make a change, and that change that they thought they were getting didn't really occur. Um, 
obviously Satterfield's O-line coach is aligned more with what his offensive scheme is trying to accomplish. But what ha- what appears to be uh, prevalent throughout all coaches is, you know, we're still kind of struggling. We're not really where we want to be. But I can't really give you an exact reason for why, uh, what kind of scheme they're teaching. But something's got to change. <laughs> I will say this, though. There is a big difference from last year. They are run blocking at a significantly higher level than they were last year. Yeah, I agree. Well, I guess we're just, you know, we just want them to play better because the better they play, I mean, it'll really help us give Emory more time. And to to help with this question, though, like where we're going here, are like, I don't know that there are, there's much variety in like pass blocking like coaching pass blocking, right? Like you you pass block how you pass block. For running, it's, you know, do you do well, you inside zone, do you outside thing. zone? Yeah, blitz pickup is, is a little different. But, I'm, but, you know, your tackles react to pass blocking pretty much the same for every offensive line coach, right? Like like the way that you pass block is, is pass blocking. In run yeah. blocking, are you pulling? Are you... Are you, you know, doing whatever the different, you know, 10 different terminologies they are inside zone, outside zone, uh, pull, like it's run blocking, teaching run blocking is scheme specific. Pass blocking is pretty much just pass blocking, right? Am I wrong there? Maybe that's a question for Garrett next time we have him. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Fair enough. All right, uh, next question. Thoughts on Dave Aranda and Baylor? Is his style not working anymore? I know he's a very unique, introverted coach, so curious what your Big 12 sources are saying about the situation there. Their offense is literally the worst Power 5 offense in the country, and their defense is not good either. So when your offense can't stay on the field and your defense can't stop anybody – you're in trouble. Aranda is supposed to be a defensive guru, right? Like he's supposed to be a guy that, that his, you know, that's his forte. If you're, if your team is not good at the thing that you're supposed to be good at, you're probably in trouble because you're not, it's not like there's a bunch of defensive coaches out there who have top 10 offenses. If you coach defense and you focus on, it would be like, Ryan, you guys were like, you know, 62nd in defense under Pickle. Guess what? You got your ass kicked a lot more than you did if you weren't top 10 on defense every year. Yeah. That's fair. So, I mean, that's it's my thought on Dave Miranda. You, you can't be a defensive coach and be bad on defense, and you especially can't do it if you're going to have the worst offense in the Power Five. Very true. My Big 12 sources are saying it looks bad in Baylor. <laughs> it's like it looks bad in Waco right now. It does not look good. I think Aranda's got the hottest seat right now in all of the Big 12 without question. Yeah, and then they yeah. said that uh, that Lincoln Riley's going to hire him at USC right away as D coordinator. Sonny, Sonny Dyke's seat might not be much cooler, though. Neil, Neil Brown is like, woo, hot seat down in Waco. <laughs> 
Uh, what role does Brad Glenn play on game day as OC? Helps design plays, comes up with the game plan, uh, works with Satterfield throughout the week. On game day, uh, Sat calls the plays. I'm sure Brad Glenn is in his ear um, suggesting, you know, that making suggestions, making uh, observations on what he's seeing, and then that's all relayed to the head coach who calls the plays. Anything you got, Royer? You you went through the fickle Freeman dynamic. Yeah, I, I think that's a good comparison. Whatever you're, you know, when your coach is calling the plays like Satterfield, he's obviously going to take input, and it's not going to be all his doing. But I'm I'm sure that there's multiple fingerprints on Satterfield's offensive game plan, just like there were multiple fingerprint prints on the. Bickle, Freeman, Hitchler, three-headed yeah, What people don't know is Hitch was as much a part, much more of a part of that than people yeah. realized when it yeah. came to what actually happened. Hitch was a brain, dude. I love Hitch. Love Yeah, Hitch. me too. Me too. You never brain had a coach. coordinator who was up in the box, though, did you, Ryan? I don't Um, so. I mean, Tanuta had a – he was never the coordinator, but he was up in the box when he was. That was on probably staff. best for everybody, though, right? That he was up there. <laughs> well, he was the safeties coach. Gave him a good, a good viewpoint on the, um, on the game, but it probably saved some curse words from. That's what I mean. <laughs> yeah, a little less curse words on the sideline. Maybe a little bit more positive energy. I guess you could say. I love the Newt's coaching style, though. I, I, I loved it. All right. Um... How did Kerry Combs change the teaching philosophy in the secondary from Perry Eliano? Does he teach different technique, etc.? cetera? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't so know I know where this is going, and I'm, I'm interested to get Royer's thought process on this. Everybody complains about the, the DBs aren't looking back at the ball. The DBs don't look back at the ball. You know what DBs look back at the ball? The elite ones that don't lose a step in coverage doing this all the time. Like, if you're a, a, a average to above average, you know, I think like a, a Jordan Young is, is an a, a average to above average corner. We've seen that so far this year. But he's not necessarily a guy that can be Sauce Gardner. You know what Sauce can do? Sauce can look at the ball the entire time because he's elite and he's not losing a step with that defender. So mm -hmm. when you're dealing with uh, what uh, replacement level talent at that position, you do not want them constantly with their head up in the air because the receiver's going to pull away from them. The receiver knows where he's going, knows where the ball is supposed to go. And if your corner is is constantly got his head around, he's going to get beat more often than not. When the head stays where it's like forward, you can make a play on the ball when the ball arrives. You're looking at the receiver's eyes. This is what they teach, right, Ryan? You're looking at the receiver's eyes. You're looking at the receiver's hands. And you are to anticipate when the ball is arriving based on that, and then you make a play. Getting your head around doesn't allow you to do that. Yeah. 
No, you, elite you're, corners you're are the guys that. that you can just say, "Go play the ball, bro. Go, 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 be sauce." Yeah, and even even a lot of those guys won't even play the ball for interceptions. These guys are going for pass breakups in man yeah. coverage. It's it's rare you see a man coverage pick, um, especially in press when you're on the back hip. But um, it what you also hear is receivers are taught to put their hands up at the last possible second, and they don't want to like they they try to trick you with their hands or trick you with their eyes to kind of mess up your timing. But yeah, it's basically you wait for those hands to go up, and you just want to rake that wrist down or or go up through the push up and out through the ball, uh, just depending on what what I, know, I never played corner in college, but whatever guys feel most comfortable with, that's that's what you're going to see them do. It's mainly a pass breakup technique. You're not going to be seeing a lot of picks. That's why you'll see our safeties make a lot more interceptions than our corners, especially with the more facing- manly. But- yeah. yeah, they're facing down. They're facing towards the yeah. quarterback. And they're off They're off man whenever they're man. There's not a lot of times our guys are pressed up. Um, but, like, Sauce got all, all – most of his – I think all of his picks were one, – the one versus uh, UCF was, like, an off man. He just jumped the route. Yeah. And then he got a lot of cover two uh, picks where he would kind of, like, you know, play with the quarterback and wide receiver, like, if he was going to bite up and still – but how long he was, he was able to kind of – play forward and then get get back deeper in his zone, like right as the quarterback went to throw and just use his length to kind of jump up and go get those little in-betweeners that people try to beat cover two with. Um, but not everyone's sauce, man. He's one of the best. <laughs> he'll go down well, as one of the best ever. At, what people look at is, is see him get his head around on a deep ball. <laughs> and they say, well, the cornerback coach must be teaching something different. No, that's just sauce as a freak. And because of his length, he's allowed to get his head around because he can still get his hand up and make a play on the ball, even if the guy gets a little bit of separation on him. Yeah. Like, I just don't – I think it's – like, if you're not – unless you're dealing with a starting NFL corner, you're not teaching them to get their head around, like, routinely to make plays on the ball. It's just a bad – it looks great, and it's it's something that fans like cling to because you like I've heard it for fifteen years doing this job. Why don't we teach our corners to get their head around? Because they're not good enough to get their head around and just make a play on the ball every time the ball is in the air. The proper coaching technique is separate the defender from the ball when the ball arrives. Get your head around. And do like sauce and and break the play up. Sure, if everybody could do it, that's how everybody would teach it. <laughs> Amen. Having a bye week to reflect a little, are you more encouraged by the staff's ability to identify and recruit good players in a short time, or more discouraged by the team underperforming in two losses to teams you see seem to be better than? I'm sure we all feel both, but wondering which stands out to you more at this point. You guys can go ahead. I talked a lot the last three questions. I'm I'm still encouraged by the team putting together a team as quickly as they did. That they've been in the games that they've been in while losing what 40 yeah. players. Yeah. I think it, that's been the hardest part for me is that they put together this good roster and there was so much 
hype and especially, you know, the first uh, two games, just how well they played and kind of played as like a, t- a, a team that you would have thought was put together way earlier on than they were. Um, and they've just been so close and they have the talent to win. They're just not in like the competitive, like fan in me wants them to win so bad because they're showing that they, they can win these games, even the Oklahoma game. Mm-hmm. They, they like they were in there. They did a lot of things that you would have thought if they'd done that they would have been way closer to stealing that one. And then you see Oklahoma go out and play like they did versus Texas. You're like, man, how, how close are we? Um, and that's why I just, I just don't like making the excuse, you know, I, I, because I think we're capable of winning. I think, I think we have the coaches and the players to win, but I still think it is underperformance and uh, it's hard for me to really settle on acceptance towards it. So I really think we need to win these two in a row really, really bad, kind of get the ship turned. We can't drop. We, we, we got it. We can't split it. We're going to be at home. We got to, Go two and zero here. I think that's games, man. yeah. I think that's a hundred percent the expectation. And if you don't believe that, then I don't think you're. I think you're being too easy on the boys. Yeah. Um, I. I mean, I, I am encouraged at the talent that's on the team. Uh, I. I think what they did in a short amount of time is is awesome. But the fact that you also on defense brought back up a good amount of the studs that are on that side of the ball as well so that was kind of already there for you to inherit but offensively you did have to kind of revamp the whole thing but you know it's it's just you know john brandon once said that water eventually finds its level you know offensively it just has to you know you can't have this many successful drives that end in field goals and i guess at this point maybe that's just a a way the team is but you know you have that much yardage that many plays how many first downs? I, the touchdowns have to come eventually. You you would think that's the case. Um, so I I think it's pinnacle to win win the next two, um, and then if you win three in a row, I I think that would be a way to really kind of kind of feel like okay, yeah. I, I mean, this team is as good as I I mean Vegas loves the Cincinnati Bearcats. I they were favored in you know two of the last three games, including on the road at BYU and and. I mean, that's obviously based off a lot of analyticals and things like that. But, man, if, if you can win the next two, then, then yeah, I think we're back to feeling pretty good about the way the team looks. They're favored by five right now. Yeah. For Saturday, so, too. Opened so. up at two and a half, went up to five. So, Amen. Anything to add there, Chad, or moving on? Nope, moving on. You guys hit on what I had to say. I'm encouraged. Would you take winning any two, say Iowa State and Baylor, you also have Oklahoma State in the next one, uh, of the next three games and be satisfied given circumstances, or do we have to win all three to get back that loving feeling, understanding that two of three gets us back to 500 but still mediocre, and winning all three would have us dreaming again? Why? Uh, Why don't we just touch on that a little bit? Well, I mean. You can't feel confident. Oklahoma State looks pretty good at home. Like. They do it at home. That, that's a team that's getting better. They picked a quarterback. They're finding a rhythm. Uh, you do not want to have to get to that Oklahoma State game needing to win it to go two and one in this stretch. Yeah. Um, you've got to find a way to win these two games at home. And then you deal with Oklahoma State when you get there. 
Although strangely, Oklahoma State lost at home to South Alabama, thirty-three to seven. Yeah, they're playing three quarterbacks. Like I don't know. Talks about how weird that the Big Twelve. No, I understand that side of things too. But yeah, and then they turn around and and beat Kansas State. It just, I don't know. (laughs) It is weird. It is weird. If you if you beat Iowa State, you become especially at a noon kickoff. I think that you would be unless there's a Friday game that I'm not thinking of. Um, you'd be the first non new Big 12 team to win against a an old Big 12 team, and I think that that's something to actually hang your hat on. Sure, I agree. Um, and and also the, the however weird it is, ESPN Analytics has Cincinnati as a slight well. favorite. Yeah, I know, it, which is just all weird, but. As Cincinnati is a slight favorite at Oklahoma State, so I take that for what it's worth. Houston will have the chance to beat West Virginia at home Friday night, Aaron. That ain't happening. Come on, West Virginia's good. West Virginia's good. Just don't, don't. Hey, nobody likes Dana when he's backed into a corner. That is like, like, like he left West Virginia to go to Houston, and now Houston getting to host West Virginia. The Mountaineers are coming to town. The Red Bull Vodka Bowl. Give me, give me West Virginia by two times. West West Virginia was picked to finish last in the Big Twelve. All right, two and a half point favorites for the Mountaineers. There. How are we looking for six wins in a bowl game? Best thing about going bowling is the three weeks of extra practice for player development and coaches' evaluation. Farce, by the way, that of happen. said players. Ryan, tell them about the the three weeks of extra practice on a game that's not a New Year's Day game when you're playing like December 23rd and your season gets done on, you know, December 2nd and then everybody gets a week off or, you know, 10 days off for the bowl game to be announced. Now the bowl game is announced on December 10th and you play in 12 days and you, you have 15 practices, three weeks of practice to squeeze in. It's not what a lot of people think it is. Yeah, it, normally we were we were having the success we had with Fickle, yeah. where we kind of knew what to expect, and we kind of got like some real good development time. But you, now being in the Big Twelve, and if you're pushing that six win bubble, you're really going to be kind of the mercy of some unexpected shit, and. I don't know how Satterfield and his staff are going to attack it. I'm sure everyone has a similar mindset for it where you kind of, it's like an extra spring ball where you get to kind of push the young guys. You spend a week with the young guys. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then you want to do like a a extra half week of prep with your, with, for your, who's going to be playing in the game. But depending on how many weeks you have, you kind of want to get that 10 day prep for, your opponent, and then everything outside of that is going to be spent on development and get the old guys out there for get some reps in, but kind of bang around a little bit, but not too much. But then it's just full on just the young guy gauntlet of hell. <laughs> so, but it, it's all dependent on where we land and how Satterfield staff wants to go about it. Well, and, and also in today's age of college football, it sucks that it happens, but teams that aren't really playing for, you know, I, not playing for something big, and, and it depends on the 
Pulse in the locker room and whatnot. I'm not saying that this is the case for Cincinnati at all, but you could have numerous big time players decide to sit out because they're they don't want to get hurt leading into the you know draft process and whatnot. So that that's right. another weird thing when it comes to going to a bowl that us Cincinnati fans aren't really used to. One that's you know not one of the the bigger ones. So we'll see. All right. <clears throat> IPF, is there a good place for someone living out of town to check up on the progress on the indoor practice facility? What is the scheduled completion date on the two components, and are they on schedule? Uh, right now, it's a bunch of dirt being moved around, so there's really nowhere to check up on it. Um, I would imagine once things start getting built, that UC will have regular checkups like they did with Nippert and like they did with... Uh, with the basketball arena. Um, but for right now, there's really not much like aesthetically to, to check in on. Uh, the indoor facility is supposed to be done prior to the start of next season. And then the performance center prior to the start of 2025. I've heard of no delays, but right now we're busy. You know, those are Generally, conversations that you have in the off season. Right now, we're busy covering a football season, so I, I know everybody wants us to be able to answer every question. There's just only so many questions uh, we can get to at one point in in time. Maybe next time, Aaron, jot that down for the next time we talk to John Cunningham uh, to see if everything is still on track. Which I'm sure he will say yes. <laughs> I'll add it to the question that I want to ask him anyway. Okay. Good work. All right. That's the football portion of the mailbag. Moving on to the basketball portion. A lot of the focus this offseason has been on the two bigs and whether they receive waivers. Instead, I want to focus on the guys that are not the top of the message boards. Which words are that? One job, Aaron. One job. I have to go back. I can only fit 200 characters because people ask very long questions. I have to go back and forth. A lot of, uh, which under-the-radar players are the key to this season? Is there a player that has a chance to be an all-league player that no one is talking about? No. We're not in the American anymore. Guys just aren't surprise all-league players. That's You're in the Big 12. That's not how this works. Everybody all... 16, 14, 16, 18 teams, whatever the hell this league's going to be. Everybody has really good players at the top of their roster. There are not going to be guys that become all league players uh, by surprise. No. Get, get that out of your mind. That doesn't exist anymore. All right. And, and like what players have, I mean, you know, Dan has a chance to take a jump. One of the point guards, if one of the point guards ends up being really good, like, you know, that's going to be a pleasant surprise. I, I, we talked about John Newman. I think he can, like, surprise some people because I think he's essentially been forgotten because he was out last year and people just kind of wrote him off. Um, all league players? I, I don't think you're going to see any sp surprise all league players. Brent, do you disagree with me? No, I, no, I agree. I don't think I, that happens in the big. Football. I mean, 
very if, often. I guess if you don't follow recruiting at all and you don't know that Seamus Lacocious transferred in or you know something like that, then yes. But sure, no, that's there's not. I wonder how much of that was in response to uh, Kelvin Sampson trying to say that um, the Temple transfer guard that came in, no one's talking about him and how good he is and all of that. I wish him luck. If he's well, he's going to be on one of the better teams. So maybe that gives you, you know, potentially Houston should be one of the better teams. I guess if you're Houston's well, best player. But Bearcat fans have like heard about Damian Dunn. But there's yeah. also like three guys on that roster that are going to be better than Damian Dunn, I think. Yeah. Probably. So, yeah. All right. At least two. Yeah. How does the uncertainty of Mendago and Reynolds' eligibility affect the team's preseason prep? How much, if at all, does Wes have to adjust the practice structure to prepare for the possibility of playing the season without them? For example, is there such a thing as counting on them too much in preseason practice and then being unprepared to start the season if you don't have them? What do you want to do? Like, is he just going to sit them out? Like, okay, you guys get Tuesday off. Like, Tuesday is waiver day. Uh, you guys are out. Like you can, you can design some days where they're on the same team so that the other team, like maybe you, okay, this is what we're going to look like potentially if they don't get their waivers. But I, I think you have to practice as if they're on the team until they are they're on the team. I mean, they're on the team. It's also basketball where we're talking about 13 scholarship players. So it's not like football where like, Right. If you take the quarter ineligible and then now, you know, you gotta get the other guy first team reps. It's like, you know, you're you're getting everyone out there at the same time. If you take them out, you're struggling to play five on five. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're I mean, I don't know. I they can still practice, right, if they're deemed ineligible. Yeah. Or yeah. So I I mean I don't see anything wrong because they were using Abdullah Doe Abdullah Do in practice, you know last year and probably this year too but it's like you know why do that if you have these guys just just have practice all right I, I know it's early but who's your pick to have a breakout season this year my heart wants it to be josh reed but my gut is telling me that it's skillings which i'm also very okay with Damn. yeah i i mean out of because you can really only say breakout season for the returning guys. So right. the, the answer is Dan. I'm gonna go with you guys on this one. Good take, brother. Dude, he looks he looks good. I like not to like yeah. yeah, he looks huge. I, I mean as he's a guy not huge, but he looks up. huge compared to uh freshman Dan. Right. Freshman right. Dan was not huge. Yeah, he's freshman he's filling out very skinny. It, has he grown at all? He looks about the same size. Yeah, okay. Because because in the pictures, he looks like he's maybe picked up like an inch or something. But that's when your body hair. looks different. Kind of fills up, yeah. Yeah. Maybe hair, too, yeah. Just just hair. Just, a, just an inch, inch higher. Mine's like six inches longer than it was this time last year. Just so. spike it up, and you'll be six foot one. Ray is the least talked about member of this team. Team right now, he's our highest-rated incoming recruit since Cumberland. Should we expect a similar impact in his freshman season as JC had? No. 
20 minutes, eight points per game for reference. No. If you inserted Ray into that team, he probably maybe may the same. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Um, but Ray, it's also not like Jaron was a scorer. Like that was his his game was you know just getting buckets. That's not Ray does a little bit of everything. Ray runs the floor. He defends. He can rebound. Like that. It's not. It's a different different human. So, no, I don't think you can expect 20 minutes and eight points a game for Ray as things currently stand. Yeah, the only way Ray gets 20 minutes, even without the points, the only way he gets 20 minutes is waivers don't go through and there's a significant injury. Well, if the waivers don't go through, he's going to have to play. 20? Uh, probably not 20, but right, he could earn 20 if he played well. But then that takes a little time to earn that. Jaron, that team had to have Jaron on the wing. Yeah. Like, had to. Like, go back to a bunch of those games when he was a freshman. That was a top 25, top 20 team. And Jaron was their best offensive player a lot of times by a considerable margin. And that's with Gary and Jake and yeah. Like, he he won he won some games. I mean, he right. won that Xavier game pretty much. But, yeah, I, and I think if you're not a five-star, if you are a legit scorer, then that'll it's that's, that's a key to get you on the floor early. Yeah. So, yeah, I think Ray, Ray has the length and other intangibles that, that had him right that high. I think if, if Ray is around what Dan did last year, that would be really good for, for Ray. For oh, yeah. And then we'll be talking about him going into his sophomore year as a breakout guy. Over or under players averaging double figures in scoring over under four. I'll take three. Yeah, I think the last, a lot. yeah, I was gonna say uh, I think last year they had four is what they finished the year at. Um yeah, I will take I'll take the under or the right at four. It's hard to do the. That's why you got to do the even. You got to do the. Yep. Right. Three and if a it's, half. If it's three and a half. Then you make me think a little bit. But if it's four, I'll I'll take the. Uh, I I take right at four. Uh, players averaging more than seven boards a game. Three. Under. That's yeah, a that's lot of seven, seven boards. A lot of averaging more. seven is a lot of fucking read because, yeah. like, that's the baseline. Like you yeah. have to go get seven every night out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll go two, and I'm I'm not super comfortable going two. Yeah, no, I think we're Under. all in agreement. Uh, players averaging more than two assists per game at three. Over. I'll go over here because if this offense is going to be what it needs to be, assist numbers are going to have to be high, which means you're going to be averaging as a team. 10, 11, 12, 13 assists a game, mm-hmm. um, which is going to spread it around because I don't know that there's going to be uh, like a six assist a game guy. So I think you're going to see a bunch of guys with two, three, four assists a game. So I'll go over there. I'm going over as well. Players making any of the all big 12 awards list at two. I'm going under. 
Well, if Aziz is eligible, I'll take Aziz. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, I could see like a day day or jizzle on an all newcomers list because they're right. just gonna play a ton. Um, jizzle all freshmen, maybe that's newcomers, like that's what yeah. it is now. It's all newcomers. I've, okay, did they combine them? Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, team points per game at 77.1. Jeez. Um, what was it last year? Last year was 77.1. <laughs> uh, man, I'll take, I'll take under. 77 is a lot. A lot 77 is a lot. Against this conference, I don't think they're getting 77. I mean, they could score 76 a game and, and probably have a really damn good year. So, um, 77-1, Chad? What was that? I missed it. Kelsey Over under 77.1 points per game offensively. Under. Okay. We're all in agreement. I think there's going to be a little bit of struggle early just to find a flow, which, you know. And then some nights in the Big 12, the defenses are really freaking right. good. So, yeah. Uh, team points per game allowed, 69.3. If the waivers pass. If the waivers pass, I'll under. take under. Yeah, right. I'll, be I'll, take under. <laughs> I'll take the under, especially because that non-conference will, will boost that up a lot. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of 56 if, if it's easy. It's playing on the non-conference. Yeah. Red shirt count over under at one. I mean, going I guess, under. like, I'll go under. I don't think anybody's going to redshirt. Yeah. Unless there's an injury. That's the only thing I was thinking in my brain, like, if something happens between now and let's hope not the first is, month of the season. Well, is Sage considered a redshirt freshman? Uh, I don't know if he got the medical. I don't know how that works. Yeah. Dan, anyway, the I'll go under. Dan, Dan, the skills man, skillings. Is he, has anyone ever called? You don't get to ask this many questions, Demon. Jesus Christ! Like we come on. Uh, average, average points per game eight and a half. Over. Yeah. Over. Over. And for what it's worth, stages. Stages listed as a redshirt freshman on the roster. Okay, so like, and, oh, and, yeah. and the last one: How many transfers will lead the team in scoring before? To our first returner. One. I don't know. Next. We're done with this. Jesus. Let's go. I don't know. I don't know what that question was. Yeah. Every I'm single done. one will have. You don't get to ask 27 questions in your mailbag. How long does the appeal process take? And does it continue after the season starts? We did touch on this earlier, but we don't know. There is no NCAA does whatever they want. Tez, yeah. Tez Walker missed five games. They're crazy people. Um. How many practices are open to the media? Uh, when I get an email that says practice is open to the media, I go to it. There's no – it's not like football. Number. Like, right. that's what I explained last week. It's not like higher ground where, like, you know, 10 of the 15 practice, 12 practice, whatever. When It's like once a week generally, sometimes twice. But when they say, hey – we're having a media availability, and you can stay and watch practice. We go. 
who will lead the team in slam dunks this season if the waivers pass? I think it's Aziz. Aziz Bendaga. <laughs> Throw us the wave. Go if, the wa- if the waivers don't pass, uh, Vic or Odie? Vic. No. You don't think? Probably Vic. He's just going to get more because he's at the rim. Who? Feel, Who else? I feel like, Odie? I feel like he didn't dunk that much. So even last year, like he, he dunked a lot. He dunked a lot until he like rolled his sprained his ankle and then right at Tulane there was like yeah. eight games left after that. So I'm gonna go Dan. Anyway, uh, we've seen Vic struggle to stay healthy. That's why. Um, how does his conditioning strength look going into the start of the season? Also, do we see a load management with softer non-conference schedule? Conditioning and strength have never been. I mean, last year he just sprained an ankle. Like. You're playing basketball. He came down on somebody's foot and turned his ankle. Like, I don't know that that has anything to do with strength and conditioning. I think his knee was messed up. And he looked damn good. I think his knee was messed up when he got to America. I think right as it stands, they got it right. He made it through last season, except for that ankle sprain. Um, So, no, you don't load manage one of your best players because you're afraid he might turn an ankle at some point. Right? Chad, I meant you to ask. You guys overthink it, bro. You guys overthink it too much. You got Chad, I meant to ask. Did you see the uh, bounce? Did you see that? that? Did you see the uh, newfound outside shooting touch from Vic in practice, or did they not really He have... hasn't taken a bunch when I've been around, but, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've always said he, like, he can shoot. Yeah, Wes, I don't Wes said that almanac thing that the field of 68 or whatever did. Uh, yeah. That was what – one thing Wes said that was big was he was knocking down outside shots and he's going to let him shoot him. So. That's the, like, and will Wes let him shoot him? But he can knock him yeah. down. Like, I wouldn't count on it being like 42%, but – Right, right. Um, he, can, he, can, he can make a defense respected as long as they let him, you know, put him in comfortable situations to, to take the shots, yeah. That's the end of the, the mailbag for basketball. Last but Royer, our favorite part. The Banks. Rapid fire, Chad. This mailbag hasn't taken long enough. Oh, relax, Aaron. If Taylor has a show in the region next year, can we get live reporting from Aaron and Kelsey? I don't know who K-E-L-S-E-Y is. I've never met her. Well, perfect. Because Yes, the answer is yes. Uh, no. We will find a random person <laughs> named K-E-L-S-E-Y. And pair that person with Aaron. Uh, the okay. tickets would be too expensive for me to go. We'll pay. I no, I think he just anymore. wants you outside, like live reporting. Yeah. yeah. Fuck all that noise. Whoa. Uh, what song? I don't. Don't. I. My disdain is well recorded at this point. What song that you hear on the radio in a store makes you feel old? For me, it is hey yeah and the fact that it's been 20 years uh for me it was what get low when kroger used it in a commercial wow gosh that when that song came on at the dances like shorty got shorty got low what ryan's too young we got a great look oh i know that song Roar, you've never heard I, Get I Low by Lil John and the East Side Boys? Yeah, I know that. I'm not that. From Dave, Windows Dave, head wall. up. Dave, head up. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I have a hangnail. I was clipping my freaking hangnail. 
from the windows to the walls. Aaron, hey, Aaron, tell them about it. I'm good. All right. <laughs> Anybody else have any other songs, though, that makes you feel old? Uh, I mean, there's all of them. All of, all them. of the songs. If yeah. I hear a song in Kroger, it's like, oh, God, I'm old. I'm blue. They don't play anything new. I mean, you got to think. Remember, though, like my music, like I go back to the like 80s. Like, oh, there's so many things that could come on in the Kroger where I'm like, back yeah. that ass up. It's like 25 years old. <laughs> Dude, I loved when like when BH1 did like the top 100 songs of the 80s and 90s. I like, I like hammered that for a while. So now whenever one of those comes on, I'm like, damn, that was 40 years ago. Yeah. And I was old enough to remember it. Uh, assuming you guys have the guitar skills, what song are you playing to woo the ladies or guys? Wonderwall. That's a good one. Duh. Like, That's a choice. good one. Any guy with a guitar breaks out Wonderwall, the girls are like... Hartman used to pound what the Wonderwall fuck is that on his song? guitar. <laughs> what? Remember Drew Hartman? Yeah. He used to. He was a Wonderwall guy. Oh, he would do it all the time. We would we would drink at the apartment. He'd break out the guitar right before he went out or something. Just rip it. Great. Good for him. Um, I'll give a little shout out to uh, the movie Barbie. Fantastic movie. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Uh, Matchbox Twenty Push is a funny scene in there. Get get that guitar out, Aaron. I, I I can hear your vocals singing a little push on the beach. To uh... you you went to the Barbie movie. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Huh? Did you do the Barbenheimer? Like, did you go see Oppenheimer? I did Barbie? see Oppenheimer as well. Yeah, it wasn't that, the yeah, same day thing. Such, what? Yeah. It wasn't the same day thing. But ah, okay. uh, but yeah, I I did see both movies in theaters. I tell you what, I have no words. You know, Aaron, you got to get your culture up a little bit, my friend. I'm good. Come on now. All right, Chad, what if I told you that Aaron would could give us an exclusive and informative update on AAC for a small or large YouTube or GoFundMe donation? Chad, take advantage of this opportunity to stay ahead of the game, make money, and make a difference for our entertainment. We'll donate today, and let's stay informed. I don't care anymore. Shut up. I don't care anymore. That league, I'm, I don't care anymore. I don't want to – don't ask me questions about the AAC. I don't follow it. I looked at the predicted order of uh, finish for the Finishing, basketball conference yeah. today for one second, and I was like, holy, thank God. Like, I yeah. don't, guys, we can stop that. That gag is over. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to know when you're in a gag and you're doing a running joke when to stop. And it's time to stop with the AAC jokes because that shit doesn't matter anymore. It was funny to see Memphis not number one in the preseason poll. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, for obvious reasons, breaks their whole team. Back. Right, for for obvious reason, but like they're probably like, yes, Houston's finally gone, and Cincinnati's finally gone. Oh wait, we're we're picked second. I just don't understand why I was being sent and Chad was getting the money. None of that makes any goddamn sense. I'm a people person. I, I deal I with the goddamn customers. What's Greenville. wrong with you people? I would pay for your trip to Greenville. I will. Still, still will. He'll Venmo you money for your trip to That's, Greenville. That's the mailbag. Get us out of here. It's bro. a party school. EC is a party school. Could be fun. Sup Dogs? Is that the name of the, the number one party school in the country? Heck, Sup I might, Dogs? I might go SBU. with you. I might go with you. Get a little, little pissed dogs on the sideline. That'd be sure. a lot of fun. 
Ryan Roller is gonna join us. Oh yeah, this dogs. What the Lock fuck? it in. Lock it in for the boys, baby. For the boys. But hey, you know what, guys? That's gonna that's gonna lock this one up. That's gonna finish this one out. Uh, shouts, of course, to uh, Desmond Ritter. Fantastic uh, game-winning drive for the setting up for the field goal. Big shouts to him. Uh, shouts to Alex Pierce. A couple of great great plays down the uh, down the end. Shouts to Ivan Pace. Shouts to Travis Kelsey. Shouts shouts to everybody. But Shouts, of course, as always, to Danco, Joe and Danco, Transmission and Auto Care. Shouts to Home Field Apparel. Shouts, of course, to our guys over there at Quick Paper Supply for supplying us with these timestamps. But, uh, hey, guys, another good one. Homecoming week, Iowa State on Saturday, 12 noon kick. We will see you there. UCJ will have everything leading up to that. But for my guys, pals, friends, real quick, I'm, partners, real yeah, quick, yeah. I'm just going to let you guys know. If I win a billion dollars tonight, okay, I'm still gonna be here tomorrow. Wow, I'm just not gonna care as much. Gosh, that is dedication. That is dedication, and and I'll I hope be here tomorrow. I hope you win it. I'm all for you. I'll but give for you my guys God. all. I'll give you guys all a five hundred dollar bonus if I win wow. a billion dollars tomorrow. That would be phenomenal. Thank you so much. Gotcha. Thank you. I you got are, you. You're you're a giving man. Uh, but for my guys, pals, partners, uh, Aaron Smith, future billionaire Chad Brendel, and Ryan Royer, I am Brent Young. They get another fantastic PVP presented by BearcatJournal.com. See ya!